want to say that the cane iced tea from Popeyes is just like the Bullet Club. It is just too sweet. You see what I did oh. there? Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 217 of the No Spots Weekly Wrestling Podcast. We have a lot to cover here. We had the biggest event in professional wrestling history just last weekend, and now this weekend we have another uh, premium live event for WWE and then another pay-per-view for AEW on back-to-back weekends, and it is Labor Day weekend, so happy Labor Day in advance to everyone here in the United States and also wherever else it is celebrated i am dc's people's champ i am joined as always by my tag team partner to my left you're right if you are watching our live stream on twitch.tv slash true no spots pod he is coming to us surprise surprise from the alternate basement this week he is none other than the dark sith lords himself aka the silver fox sith yes welcome everyone to the alternate basement thanks for all followers chatters lurkers subscribers listeners on our audio platforms and people finding us for the first time warm welcome to you all i need to say this off the bat for all of our friends in the carolinas georgia and florida that were affected by hurricane adelia which is now a tropical storm again our hearts are with you and we hope you've stayed safe champ what's good the people studios in the aba good sir uh, just the usual. Uh, so we were supposed to do this pot, record this podcast on Friday night, but the way that my work week has been, I wouldn't have had time to properly prep for a turn, you know, to get off of work at five, five thirty, and then have to turn around an hour and a half, have everything ready for the podcast. So I said, let's just not take any chances. We'll do it on Saturday afternoon because by then I'll have, you know, I'll be prepped and then we'll able to add in. Uh, SmackDown as well as uh, Rampage and things like that and just go from there. So we hope you're ready for a good show. Uh, I just realized I didn't even write out my uh, my pusher berry for SmackDown and Rampage. So I will be doing that while we are record while we are talking uh, during uh, the preview of the pay-per-views. So we'll yeah. do that. But here's what we have for you on deck. <laughs> Yeah, we got we got a lot to talk about. So here's what we got on deck here. We have the news and notes, including a WWE Hall of Famer who is reportedly in is is reportedly on uh, in the city where payback is taking place, which is none other than Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We'll tell you who that is and what might what that might mean. We also reported a couple months back about the announcement of a Japan a Japanese women, women's Japanese wrestling federal uh, promotion that was getting ready to start up in the United States. Well, they've officially announced the name and when their first show is going to be. We'll tell you about that as well. Plus, uh. 
All In was all was not only historic for what happened in terms of in-ring and the, the amount of people that came to see, but also what happened backstage. One of the backstage issues not being talked about, we are going to bring to light. So we're going to talk about that, as well as a former AEW star who has officially joined WWE and NXT recently. We'll tell you who that is as well. In our New Japan recap, we were going to look at the full card for the upcoming Pro Wrestling Noah's Pro Wrestling Noah's version of the G1. The N1 Victory Tournament has reached the finals, and the full card includes people who are from New Japan Pro Wrestling that will be competing on this card. Also, we uh, they have announced more names that will be uh, a part of the upcoming Fighting Spirit Unleashed event taking place in Las Vegas on. Uh, October the 28th, which is uh, Halloween weekend. We'll talk about that. Plus, uh, some uh, some some notable names of New Japan Pro Wrestling were a part of Rev Pro's 11th anniversary show uh, over the last over the weekend, the night before All In. We'll tell you about how they did as as well. So that is your New Japan recap. In our third segment, it's a big segment because we are going to look back. At the historic all-in pay-per-view that took place in Wembley Stadium in London, England, seen, uh, attended by 81,035 fans, which was a legit number, which is great. Uh, also, uh, we will preview the next upcoming two pay-per-views coming up. We have WWE Payback, which is taking place Saturday night from Pittsburgh, and then Sunday All Out in Chicago. Uh, uh, production of All Elite Wrestling. Then in our Pushberry Weekend Review, I will be driving that bus, so we will be have, taking us a nice little ride through that. And then, in, of course, our final thoughts. My final thoughts, I'm giving a spoiler alert, is going to be about the backstage issue that is been, being talked about and is overshadowing what has happened at All In. I will speak candidly about that as well. So with that, uh, with that being said, and without any further ado, referee, you know what to do. Ring the bell. All right, let's start with news and notes. As we mentioned, a Hall of a WWE Hall of Famer has been spotted in the in the city where payback is taking place this weekend, uh, and that Hall of Famer is none other than the recently inducted Keiji Muto, also known as the Great Muta, uh, <laughs> according to, according to um, a report from the. Uh, Subscription required PW Insider Elite. Uh, the 60 year old recently retired uh, induct uh, Hall of Famer arrived in Pittsburgh on Friday, but there have been no definitive plans released when it comes to the Japanese legend. Uh, as you know, Muta was uh, inducted by Ric Flair to the Hall of Fame despite having never wrestled in an official WWE ring in his entire career. Most of his career was spent in New Japan, All Japan, uh, and WCW, along uh, with. Uh, him closing out his career in pro wrestling, Noah having been a GCH uh, heavyweight champion. But um, now he's looking like he's gonna he's in town. But the speculation is is he is he in town for payback or is is it a connection to Chicago and make he'll will he make an appearance at all out? So we'll see what happens there. But for right now, you know it's a six match card for the uh, for the event. Plus you're gonna have the special uh, Grayson Waller effect uh, with guest host Cody Rhodes. So speculation can run wild about what. If any involvement Great Muda could have on this event, uh, 
I just thought about it too, but I'm gonna let Sif start off first because I have a I have a theory. But Sif, speak. Okay. Shinsuke Nakamura is taking on Seth Rollins tonight. Oh, he about to take my theory already. (laughs) 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 He took my theory. Go run with it. Run with it. As the Wu Tang Clan said, protect your neck. Yeah. Go ahead, get get shit off. And if he goes to Chicago, I'm going to dig the hole even deeper. If he goes to Chicago, some people need to protect their necks over there, but not as much. But I'd say that the Bucks might have to protect their necks. Yep. This is going to be wild. About the only thing I can confirm, Great Luda is not interviewing with the Fenway Sports Group to become an announcer for the Pittsburgh Penguins because they fired both announcers yesterday. But that's, you know, either here nor there. But I hope he's at payback tonight. I really do. Because, you know, imagine what he could do. He could interfere in any of the, He could even make a cameo appearance just to say hi and not do anything. But imagine if he gets involved with either Rollins Nakamura... Or maybe one of the other matches. We just don't know. Champ, I got to hear your theory as to what's fully going to happen tonight because... My theory is pretty simple and straightforward. These two went at it uh, on New Year's Day for a NOAA show that WWE allowed Shinsuke Nakamura to attend and be a part of and compete in. And after the matchup, um, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, after getting sprayed with the mist, gave... Muda a kiss, and Muda didn't like getting kissed in the mouth by a man. Uh, uh, he no. said as much in his post-match comments. So I'm assuming that you know he's going to use this opportunity to get back at Nakamura and cost him the World Heavyweight Championship. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to materialize into a match. I think it's just a one-off here with um, with Shitsuke and Muda just to sort of like pay that off. So that's my theory. If that's why they, he's in Pittsburgh, is I think he's going to get involved in the main in uh, the world heavyweight title match between Nakamura and Rollins, uh, costing Nakamura the matchup and things like that. Um, but at the same time, like I said, the danger zone of doing that is that you know you didn't have to do something with Muda, but Muda's retired. Like, and Japanese mm-hmm. tradition is once you retire, you don't unretire. Like, once you're done, you're done. And he's 60 years old. I don't think he can, at his age, he can wrestle the WWE style. He's too far gone to even try to learn the WWE style. So I I think that even if you wanted to go that route, that's a dangerous route to go because then it's like people are going to expect a payoff because if they don't pay attention to the Japanese side of things. They're just thinking that this old man who most people don't know who he is, is attacking Nakamura. There needs to be a payback, but there won't be a payback. And that's going to piss people off. So that's why I'm saying like, that's the theory that I have, but it's also a very dangerous uh, direction to go. Honestly, I really think it's a dangerous way to go. And I fear that if they go that route, it's, it's not, it's not going to be, it's not going to be good. Mm-mm. It's not going to be good at all. All right. Well, 
that's that's we'll keep an eye on that situation as you know we are going to be live stream reacting to uh payback on saturday night at around 7 55 eastern standard time on our twitch channel so make sure you tune in for that uh to see if maybe we we get to see what you see which is Muda getting involved in that match Sticking with Japanese professional wrestling, uh, months ago it was reported that a new promotion was going to be based in the United States, bringing in Japanese women's wrestlers from all over the world into this promotion. And now that promotion not only has a name, but it also has a debut date for its first show. So say hello to the new Japanese women's wrestling promotion, Sukiban. Yes. It was announced via a uh, post on social media from its official Twitter uh, Twitter page or Twitter account. I'm still not calling the ads. It's Twitter to me. Uh, posted a very, very colorful anime-style uh, trailer announcing the promotion as well as the date for its first show, which is going to be on September the 21st at Capital down in the Bowery of, of New York City. Tickets are now available for that show. Uh, it was a very... It's, the promotion is going to be based around four stables. The Vandals, Cherry Bomb Girls, Dangerous Liaisons, and the Harajuku stars. And the main event of that event is going to see Ichigo Sayaka, who is uh, being portrayed by Unagi Sayaka, who is a former champion of stardom. She will be going up against uh, Dragon Liaison's Countess Sayori, who is played by the current goddess of stardom champion Sayori An Anoi. So these two will go at it, and the winner of that match moves on to the yet-to-be-announced or re or talked-about second event taking place in the United States, where the winner of that matchup will become the inaugural Sukiban World Champion. So that's what we got going on right here. And as, as, as of this uh, reporting, there have been no other future plans announced for the promotion other than to bring more Joshi wrestlers uh, from around the world and particularly uh, bring more Joshi wrestlers around the world and more specifically to the United States as well. Uh, with uh, Japanese uh, Joshi wrestling becoming much more accessible via streaming options, including uh, streaming options on Stardom World, uh, It's this is a great way to capture capitalize on that and try to bring even more eyes to the product to the product here on the western side of town sith what do you think about this one this is awesome you know we keep looking for women to advance in pro wrestling overall where well, here's the women where you're pulling in all these joshi wrestlers from throughout the world into america this is absolutely awesome. And of course, Cherry Bomb, two things, three things went in my head. One, the prank, you know, Cherry Bomb, and two songs that are totally irrelevant to the discussion. But I think this has a lot of potential. Not saying we're going to cover all of their cards, but I'm saying this is fucking awesome and definitely something to keep an eye on. Champ? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I. 
haven't had the opportunity to really watch any stardom shows and my plan was when we started to introduce uh talk of japanese professional wrestling to our podcast that i was going to have two inside two analysts to talk about uh japanese pro wrestling that would be saved for new japan and my friend dem for stardom but you know he got overcome by events that kind of fell off the that kind of fell by the wayside of having him coming in to cover uh stardom but you know hopefully down the road you know down the road hopefully we'll have the opportunity to start talking about uh stardom and start talking about uh things you know start talking about stardom wrestling and and stuff like that and really start talking about joshi uh professional wrestling uh on this podcast more is almost the same as we talk about uh the men and things like that so hopefully sooner rather than later we will have that opportunity to talk about uh stardom and even this promotion as well all right moving on and again we talked about aew all we're going to talk about aew all in but we all know the backstage issue that has been the talk of the uh, event all in which happened prior to the uh, official start of the event but there was another backstage issue that took place that is not being talked about a lot, and that is that there was a lack of travel accommodations provided for uh, talent when it came to uh, all AEW All In. Uh, PW Torch reports that uh, wrestlers that traveled overseas uh, with WWE previously or had gone, who had done overseas tours with New Japan said that they were very underwhelmed by AEW's travel accommodations. Uh, that report included that multiple wrestlers reportedly were not picked up from the airport, as is tradition in the previous two uh, promotions that I mentioned. Uh, some were left to fend for themselves to either get an Uber, which were very, very hard to come by in London on that weekend or take a train as CM Punk had to uh, to get to, uh, to to the city uh, another report from PW uh, the continuing on the report from PW Torch multiple wrestlers uh, expressed disappointment and felt that the lack of accommodations were at, added on to the stress of what was an already stressful weekend for the roster being overseas in the UK for the first time um, uh, and particularly, Mr. Sia Punk was not in a very good mood when he uh, got to Wembley uh, due to the issues he had with his travel. Reportedly getting into it and tearing down AEW President Tony Khan before he got into the the physical altercation that's been reported all over the place with Jungle Boy, formerly Jungle Boy Jack Perry uh, over what the former FTW champion said during his zero-hour match. Uh, so there you go. It's that's the other issue that's been going on in the backstage of part of AEW uh, outside of the whole Jack Perry and CM Punk uh, debacle, which I will be talking about in my final thoughts as well. But Sith, I know you have things to say about this, so please uh, say what you have to say, sir. Okay. Textbook one hundred and one for any wrestling promotion you have to have things etched in stone for your talent travel wise which includes making sure that transportation accommodations are provided i don't give a rat's ass who got stranded at the airport 
I'm not going to draw a conspiracy theory and say that CM Punk got abandoned at the airport because it's CM Punk and nobody likes him. I'm not going to do that. I'm not that type of guy. But note to good old Punky boy. I hope he didn't jump in your boss's face and act like a fool when several other people had the same travel issues and probably approached Tony a little bit more mildly about things. Don't get it twisted. It's a bad look when wrestlers have to take the train to the hotel or they have to find an Uber or XC, which may not be, you know, available at the time. But note to the people that run the travel office inside of AEW, the part of the travel people, get your ducks in a row. Because this was not a good look. Not a good look at all. And sadly, it just put more things away from the spotlight of an historic pay-per-view champ yeah um i just i just feel like it just seems like whenever aew does something really really good and really really major some bullshit happens backstage that seems to overshadow what they're doing Mm -hmm. outside of that and it's it's it seems to become a pattern for this promotion that's about to get to five years uh, of existence. And it needs to, like, something needs to be done. I mean, you have rode, you have rode uh, Tony Khan and raked them over the coals numerous times on his podcast about his management style and how he runs his company. And it's clear that it's not, like, someone needs to get our podcast when we talk about this, about him and this style. Someone needs to get that to him so he can hear this. Because if he's hearing it from uh, fans or some, you know, non-biased individuals, maybe he'll understand and be like, okay, you know what? Maybe I need to change my style up. Maybe I need to change it up. Maybe I need to do something different. Because the way um, the way he's doing things right now, it ain't working out, player. <laughs> it ain't. It ain't working oh, out, player. Oh, just said in our chat. Okay, let me it's see. It's here. Oh, yeah, Midwest Vikings said hello, Midwest Viking, along with uh, Alex as well, and Whitney, who's uh, lurking in the background on our Twitch channel, on our Twitch chat quote. I mean, on the Indies, we at least got reimbursed trans, but your big names should always be picked up for safety. My question is, was it all babyface that didn't get picked up? Because did it, sh- it could be trying to make them more relatable. It should have been discussed with talent either way, end quote. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, Midwest Viking is, as, as you mentioned, he is a veteran of the indie scene, former, uh, a former light heavyweight wrestler in his time. But uh, he just said it. I mean, even on the indies, like, promoters, if you had to, if they couldn't bring you to the venue, you had to bring yourself to the venue, would at least reimburse you for whatever cost that you had to incur to get to said show at said venue. And that's what it sounds like here is that uh, hopefully that's what ends up happening, that they at least got reimbursed for having to get to the venue or get to their hotels or something like that. But we, who knows? Who knows? 
Anyway, all right, our last news story has to do with a former AEW star who has now landed on their feet with WWE and their NXT brand, and that is none other than Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, it was reported that he was expected to debut with NXT earlier this month, earlier in August, uh, but he has not made his first television appearance as of yet. But according to PW Insider, he has officially began his tenure this uh, past week uh, as he had to wrap up all of his independent dates before officially joining the joining the promotions developmental uh, arm of the developmental arm in NXT. Uh, the report will go on to state that uh, it could be a bit of a, a bit of time before he makes his official debut on NXT uh, as he has to get migrated into the performance system and uh, have him get time to get used to it and things like that. But uh, it was it was already speculated that he would join WWE after his uh, contract with AEW expired back in July. He had a tryout with WWE shortly after the expiration of his contract. Uh, but ne- but now he is looking like he's going to be part of the very promotion that his dad actually was a part of at, uh, at one point, uh, and was the, the promotion that was the last one that his father would be a part of before his untimely passing. So the second generation star now comes to uh, WWE after. Not getting a lot of TV time in Tony Khan's promotion. And so now, here we are. Sith, what do you think about this one? (sighs) I like this. And good on WWE as well. We're telling Brian Pillman Jr., finish up your indie dates. Then we'll get you in. Which is something totally different because usually you're used to reports that um, you can't wrap up the R&D dates. You have to go report immediately to the performance center. Well, it's not happening now. Note to Brian Pillman Jr. You were one of the rising people, if you will, through the pandemic on the Indies and in AEW. Now you're going to the cream of the crop. There's a lot you could learn there. Learn, adapt, and shine. Champ. Um, I mean, so I could give my thoughts on this, but something just was put in the chat by Alex that like has me changing my thoughts to something else. Alex said, I want the loose cannon Brian Pillman Jr. in WWE. No. 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 You have that now. It's already bad. I'm pretty sure he's going to have a name change. Number one, he's going to have a name change. He's probably not going to go by Brian Pillman Jr. because WWE can't trademark that. They can't copyright that. So they're going to probably have him change his name. So that's you're already. He's already not going to be Brian Pillman Jr. He's going to be something else. But number two, you don't want him copying his father's gimmick. You want him being something different from his father. Look at The Rock. He had to be something totally different from his grandfather and his father. Look at, like, and that's what Ava Rain is doing, what his daughter's doing. She's in a cult. Who would have thought, no one would have thought The Rock would be in a cult. He was in a group known as the Nation of Domination, yes, but not a cult-like group like like Schism, right? Look at Braun Breaker. Look at Braun Breaker. He's not he. Yeah, he did the whole barking thing, but look at his demeanor now. He's like his, he's like absolute badass, hard ass heel. He's you know more like his uncle than he is his dad. Where it comes to that character, 
That is true. That is true. I swear to God, if he breaks out Steiner math as a heel, I'm just going to absolutely lose it. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I swear to God, I'm going to lose it. Anyway, but no, you you don't want Brian. You, you, WWE's whole thing when it comes to second generation or third generation or in Ava's case, fourth generation wrestlers is to separate them from the from the separate them to to some degree from what their previous generations did. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. that's why I I just don't see a loose cannon gimmick for Brian Pillman Jr. in WWE because his father already did it. You don't want him to try to do the same thing because then everybody's gonna be like, "Well, your dad did it like this, and your dad did it like that," and it's gonna take away the identity that he's already going to lose when his name is changed because they're gonna yeah. change his name. Okay, Midwest Viking says, "See, I disagree. Brian Pillman was so loved that using the name would be easy merch sales with the older WWE fans." Here's the problem with that, Midwest Viking: there are not a lot of older WWE fans left. Me and Sith and you are kind of yep. probably one of the few older WWE fans who was alive when Brian Pillman was in WWE in 1996, 1997. There are a lot of younger, there are a lot of younger fans here who probably have no idea who Brian Pillman who who have no idea who Brian Pillman Senior was, let alone know who Brian Pillman Junior is, and it won't connect. That's why they're going to change. It. And again, like I said before. Brian Pillman Jr. probably already trademarked or uh, copyright written his own name. So yep. because he, if he's probably done that, WWE can't do it. They're gonna change it to something they can copyright. Yep. And I'm telling you, I I look I look I read wrestling news all day every day. I'm pretty sure I'm going to see a headline say WWE trademarks name X like name Mr. So and So whatever the hell yep. it's gonna be. And I'm telling you, whatever name they you see that they trademark, that's going to Brian Pillman Jr. Yep. It's going to Brian Pillman Jr. I'm telling you that. It's going to Brian Pillman Jr. And that's that's going to be the end of it. Like, go-, go ahead, Seth. Just like when Simone Johnson came by. Everyone knew that was the rock starter. So when they said they have trademarked the name Ava Rain, and then Ava, we all knew who that was. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like, you know, again, they're going to, they're, like, again, some people got lucky. Like, like Randy Orton got lucky. Like he, mm-hmm. you know, he he got to keep his last name, and they played up to the whole. You know, he was he's Bob Orton, uh, Bob Orton's son, and everything like that. They played up to that, right? The Rock, they played up to his gener his uh, generational roots and things like that. When he came in, uh, he called himself Rocky Maivia. The first name was after his dad, his last name after his grandfather. So they did that. But slowly but surely over the years, whenever WWE brings in a third generation person, they kind of put, you know, kind of separate them from that heritage to try to give them their own identity with the implied knowledge that they that fans kind of know where they're from. Family wise. I mean, you look at the Usos and and Solo Sokoa, like uh, fans know who their father is. Yeah. Rikishi. Everybody knows who their father is. So there you go. But that's, I mean, again, it's going to be interesting to see how they play this and how this comes up. But right now, we won't know for a while what kind of identity um, Brian Pillman Jr. will have because they said it's going to be a while before he makes his debut mm-hmm. with, uh, with NXT. Because, you know, you know, WWE, they have to have everybody 
wrestle the same way. Like, you can't just be a wrestler individual style. You have to wrestle the same style everybody, which I think is kind of stupid. Uh, Alex has a question for Sith. What do you think of the new Crazy Steve character on Impact Wrestling? Sith, I'll start with you. I love it. They have turned Crazy Steve into someone that fits a very psychotic nature. And I think the only one that can break them of the psychotic nature is somebody who's featured from time to time. But I don't want him to show up yet to break Steve out of this cycle he's in right now. That would be Father James Mitchell. I like this new character. It's really a harder take. I don't know if a lot of you have seen the 2019 Joker movie. The crazy Steve has really taken on Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal of Joker and taken it to a more sadistic end for now. And I'm on board for it. Champ. So the reason why I'm going ahead and answering this now, because it's not one of the five that I picked for mm-hmm. our push or very segment for impact, but it was going to be an honorable mention. So I'm glad we're, I'm glad that Alex asked the question i am a big fan of this character i mean when the the way they built this up with those one-on-one interviews with tom hannafin which led to him going after tom and production people and just absolutely snapping and then he comes out with his brand new presentation new music and absolutely like had everybody expected okay we're gonna see a match between mike Mike bailey and crazy steve no steve's just gonna grab him by his eyes push him in the corner get disqualified and just absolutely go ape shit on everybody yeah i i enjoyed it i enjoyed it i really like where they're going with this i just hope they stay on the path impact is not known to veer off when they start when they repackage someone they don't Mm -hmm. they tend to stay on the path of that repackaging and they don't tend to veer off from that they see it through they see it through to to the end course and so that's what i'm looking forward to is like at least the next several weeks months of this character crazy Steve. i mean crazy steve even after win after someone who was like an who was his ally black tarus yes decay you could tell that this character, Crazy Steve, is completely unhinged, completely yeah. deranged, and completely out of his fucking mind. And I like every, I'm loving every minute of it, and I want to see more. What else we got here? Let's continue because we're gonna, we got to move on. So I'll, I will, we'll address this one, and then we'll move on. Crazy okay. Steve on 2017 had a WWE trial. This time WWE will go, holy shit! I think Crazy Steve is sending a message because imagine this Steve in WWE. I can't imagine this Steve in WWE because there's WWE still trying to be very close to kid friendly. Yeah, they're adding a little bit more, a little bit more attitude um, to. They're re- trying to bring a little bit more attitude to the yeah. overall presentation, but I think this this crazy Steve might be a bit much for this WWE. If this was if this was attitude era WWE or even the new generation era WWE where everybody had a character. It would fit, but this current WWE, this modern WWE, I don't think it fits. Seth, you yeah. do you agree or disagree? I fully agree. This would not fit in the current product of WWE. The time that this would fit in would be from Golden Age, you know, the 80s, 
through the beginning of the ruthless aggression era. After that, gone. You you can't have this Steve in WWE the way the climate is right now. You can't. It's a really good character. And everyone knows I'm a big fan and supporter of Crazy Steve. But this character, you could only have in New Japan, Impact, AW, CMLL, AAA Lucha Libre, anything outside of WWE, not WWE, not now, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right. All right. Time to talk New Japan really quickly. Uh, New Japan, uh, a couple of New Japan stars are going to be a part of Pro Wrestling Noah's big event coming up this Sunday. It is their version of the G1 Climax Tournament known as the N1 Victory Tournament. Their 2023 finals are getting ready to take place, and the full card has been announced. Uh, the finals, will, which are going to be the main event, will see Keno take on Go Shiozaki, so two former GHC heavyweight champions will go at it to determine who will win the crown that Kaito Kiyomiya won last year and did not enter to defend this year because of his involvement in the G1 in New Japan. Elsewhere on the card, uh, uh, speaking of Kaito Kiyomiya, he continues to team with New Japan's former young lion, Ryohei Oiwa, who was on excursion in pro wrestling Noah with Kaito Kiyomiya. They will take uh, Yoshinari Ogawa and current New Japan World TV champion Zack Sabre Jr. So those are some of the people that are going to be in that uh, in there from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, some other notable matches includes the Noah Dave in-ring debut of Josh Barnett. He will be in a GHC martial arts rules match against Masakatsu Funaki. Uh, also, uh, there's going to be a junior heavyweight tag team championship match. Daga and Chris Ridgeway, the champions, taking on uh, Atushi Koji and Hiroki. Uh, uh, on that side, we will also see former NXT talents in a uh, six-man teaming together. Saxon Huxley, Timothy Thatcher, and Hideki Suzuki teaming up to take on Jake Lee, the GHC heavyweight champion, Jack Morris, and Anthony Green. Uh, it's a really stacked card here, and you can check it out live at 3 a.m. Eastern time on September 3rd on Wrestle Universe, and there will be English commentary included. So that's what's happening. You're going to see the New Japan World Television Champion uh, on one side with a former, a, now a graduated young lion on his excursion on the other side uh, as one of the matches. So there you go. Uh, also, some more, imp, uh, some more New Japan news. More names have been announced for the upcoming Fighting Spirit Unleashed event taking place in Las Vegas at Sam's Town Live on Halloween weekend. Excuse me. On Halloween weekend, uh, we, it was already announced that the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Sonata, Tetsuya Naito, the winner of this year's G1 Climax, Shingo Takagi, Tamatanka, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Eddie Kingston, the strong openweight champion, Julia, the strong women's champion, uh, and others have been added. But now there are new names been added. Uh, one of those names is former uh, IWGP heavyweight champion and former IWGP heavyweight tag team champion Satoshi Gojima. Former strong openweight champions Fred Rosser and Hikaleo, as well as former junior 
junior heavyweight tag team champion El Fantasmo. Also joining the fray are the current strong openweight tag team champions from the Bullet Club War Dogs, Gabe Kidd and Alex Coglin. And also joining them, former I, former never openweight champion, IWGP heavyweight tag champion, among some of his accolades, none other than representing the United Empire, the Imperial Unit, Jeff Cobb, who is actually going to be facing Tetsuya Naito at Destruction in Kobe in a couple weeks' time. That tour gets underway uh, in a week's time uh, on September the 8th. Also joining, of course, it, it, you can't have a show, a strong show in Las Vegas without Team Filthy. That is their territory is Las Vegas. So, of course, Filthy Tom Lawler, the West Coast Wrecking Crew of Royce Isaacs and Jarrell Nelson, along with radioactive Poppy himself, Danny Limelight, will be present in Samstown Live for the Fighting Spirit Unleashed uh, event. More names to be announced as the uh, as we get closer to the event, and we will talk about that here on our New Japan Recap. And finally, to close off our New Japan recap, uh, some notable names of New Japan were a part of Rev Revolution Pro Wrestling's 11th anniversary show that took place the night before uh, AEW All In. Uh, one of those, like one of those, was a very, very good main event match uh, for which saw Shingo Takagi and Will Ospreay go at it. Ospreay was able to get the victory before he was approached by Zack Saber Jr., uh, who told him. Who, who who noticed that he had the IWGP United Kingdom Championship, made that remark and said that if you keep hold of that championship, then you've got yourself your next challenger, quote-unquote. So it looks like he wants to challenge for that championship after he uh, defends it against Yoda Suji at, at Destruction in Kobe on September the 24th. Uh, so it's we'll see what happens there. Also on the show... Uh, Tomohiro Ishii was in a was in a matchup against Luke Jacobs. Uh, Jacobs was able to withstand some of uh, was was able to withstand some of the offense from Ishii, but Ishii was able to land a vertical drop brainbuster to get the three count. And Zack Saber Jr., uh, Zacky Boy, uh, Techers, and things like that. He uh, had a matchup against Ricky Knight Jr. That, was that he was able to get the victory with a real naked choke that led to a referee stoppage. Also, we got to see uh, El Phantasmo team up with uh, Katsuyori Shibata to take on Gabe Kidd and David Finley of the Bullet Club War Dogs, which even saw, and it, it was something that was sent to me by Sage, what was called the... Uh, Bitch maker, which was a ripcord into nothing, just just a, the most disrespectful fucking slap you could ever receive get from somebody by Katsuyori Shibata onto Gabe Kid. Uh, but in the end, it was uh, it was the victory for it, it was a victory for it was a victory for um for El Fantasmo and for Katsuyori Shibata and Kosei Fujita uh, began his had his first match in the UK on his world tour, taking on JJ Gale. Uh, he was able to uh, get the – they almost got a, a submission, but um, after – but it was it would be Gale that would get the victory over Kosei Fujita, leading to a, a, a potential matchup against Zack Sabre Jr. at a next – a future ro uh, event for Revolution Pro Wrestling. And then Drilla Maloney was also in action as well. He got a victory uh, in his matchup as well. But that's what happened at the Rev Pro uh, 
11th anniversary show. And again, right now, uh, the road to destruction begins on September the 8th, uh, coming up, which is going to be a very, uh, very stacked uh, card leading up to destruction in Kobe on the 24th and then destruction in Rio Goku on the uh, 8th of October. So there you go. All right, that's it for our New Japan recap. We're going to bring Sith back in here because now it's time to talk pay-per-views and stuff like that. All right, real quickly, what is like Midwest Viking letting, letting us know? So people forget that Josh Barnett was a scary dude in the early 2000s. He fought everybody back then. He's still a scary dude to this like to this day. Like, let, don't don't get it twisted. Josh Barnett is a badass. He is a badass. Josh Barnett killed motherfucker because. Yeah, pretty much. All right, let's talk about All In. We just talked about some of the backstage issues that have been a part of the news cycle in wrestling news all week. But let's talk about what happened uh, in front of the cameras, in front of 81,035 people in Wembley Stadium. That is an incredible number for a wrestling show. Uh, I cannot believe they were able to pull that off. And the fact that they were able to sell... 70 plus thousand tickets before one match was even announced should tell you yeah. how how jacked uk fans were to see an aew show in their in their home country honestly i mean unbelievable all right and let's talk from economics where people are saying oh you guys are doing observer talking points we're not those are from economics and also that's the accurate number that doesn't include the people that had comp seats or giveaways. Yeah. Either way, like, th- that's an impressive number, and it was a straight-up number. It was a straight-up number, and wow. I still I still like the fact that – so we're, we'll get into this in just a minute. I like the fact that Tony Khan, on his media call for All Out, said, hey, we wanted to do the bundle, but they said it was a logistical problem with all the cable providers and everything like that. That's bullshit. The cable providers just didn't want to lose $30 per buy because they bundled it from a hunt, having two separate yeah. $50 purchases equal over $100 to maybe one purchase for like 70 80 bucks, so they didn't want to lose 20 to $30 mm-hmm. bucks per buy, which is a, which yeah. ended up being a large number when the, the buys are over 100000 That's what that was, the yep. greedy fucks. Yeah, <laughs> You're not fooling me bitch yeah because in demand is the provider for a lot of these cable companies and the satellite companies here in the states they're the ones who give you the big events and everything like boxing pay-per-view comedy shows wrestling there's those are some greedy fucks because you could have offered a 75 dollar package and given the fans a bundle but they did exactly what they do with WWE, which is you're better off paying for Peacock Premium with or without ads because they make you pay for every night separate for WrestleMania, which is fucking bullshit. Yeah, I think I honestly feel like yeah, the cable companies they're they're too they're too greedy for their own fucking good. They know that they could easily provide a bundle. And I mean, because yeah. you know, streaming is able to do it, but the pro- again, another problem is cable is so fucking antiquated nowadays. You know, now that we have streaming options and stuff like that, cable just seems so fucking antiquated. They should have gotten with the times to be able to provide these bundle packages of events and stuff like that. You know, no one should like. 
I I really want to order all out, but why am I paying fifth another fifty dollars exactly. for it? Why am I paying a hundred dollars for two events on back to back weekends when I could just pay seventy dollars for both of them? Where all I gotta do I watch one and then I log into my app and I log into Bleach Report, boom, watch the other, without having to make a separate tra- another transaction. I just don't fucking understand that i think it's dumb i think it's stupid and i think they need to fix it anyway i just wanted to get that off my chest since that yeah. wasn't going to be my final thoughts but let's talk about all in and everything like that so of course we're going to talk about the zero hour and lump it into one thing instead yeah. of just two separate things of course our zero hour saw aussie open defend the ring of honor world tag team championship against better than you baby adam cole and the world champion mjf uh, that match was seven minutes and 45 seconds with the double clothesline leading to new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, Better Than You, Baby. And then in our main event of the Zero Hour, Hook took on Jack Perry for the FTW Championship in an FTW rules match. It included the line that led to the backstage incident uh, by Jack Perry, and but it in the end, at 8 minutes and 20 seconds, uh, Jet Hook was able to get a submission victory over Jack Perry with the Red Rum. And lo and behold, Hook once again is your FTW champion. Sith, what did you think about our zero-hour pre-show? All right. The tag team matchup was solid with the shotgun. It had a ripple effect and what would be the main event of the card. I didn't see Aussie Open losing clean, though. But that's just what the doctor ordered. A lot of both teams to show out. After the match, I was like, oh. So what now? 7.45 is your match time, and good thing to have this on zero hour. Hook Perry. It was a fun brawl, but note to Jack Perry. Was it was your running your fucking mouth a good worth it at the end of the day? Daddy kid. It was a good brawl, and it made all the sense in the world to have the title change here in London. As the only person that should retire the FTW championship. If it comes to pass, is Hooker Tads. Overall, really like this match on the rewatch. A20 is your match time. Cry me a river. Yeah, I mean, both zero-hour matches, they were short, but they were to the point and made made a point. One, of really adding more in. The first one being adding more intrigue to the mm-hmm. main event of the, for the world title between MJF and... And between uh, Adam Cole by having them win the tag team championships and then yeah. like really adding that kind of entry. And then, of course, you have having Hook get back his uh, FTW championship over Jack Perry. But then you did have the line from Jack Perry saying, hey, this is real gra- glass. Cry me a river. It's like, dude, you know that CM Punk is going to fucking see and hear that. <laughs> He's going to say yeah. something to you about that shit. Because we all saw the reports that said that CM Punk vetoed them using real glass in a segment on Collision. So you know that you saying that was going to be like, uh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to have, have something to say. Speaking of CM Punk, he opened up the show. By the way, there were several reports put out there that this match almost got switched from being the opening match to being later on in the car because of that incident that happened after the matchup. There was also a report that Good old JR was supposed to make a grand entrance into the stadium with a, his interest theme and being able to walk down the aisle and everything like that. But because of the dust up, it was uh, the 
the it was there was an audible call where he just quietly went out to the arena to sit at his desk to, to call the couple of matches that he did call for the event. Uh, but one of the matches he called was CM Punk versus Samoa Joe for the Real World Championship. Uh, this match went 14 minutes even, and this is a rivalry that's uh, dated back 20 years to the time of Ring of Honor. Uh, another mm-hmm. solid outing from both men with Samoa Joe, looking like he had a chance to become the champion. But uh, but outside of that, CM Punk was able to use an oldie but goodie uh, to get the victory in the uh, the very very dangerous and dreaded Pepsi plunge which is like a pedigree from the top rope but the reason yeah. why he doesn't use it that much is because that joint that shit hurts your fucking knees badly I can yeah. tell and so he used the Pepsi plunge to get the victory and retain his championship 14 minutes even Sith your thoughts on this match the outcome is pretty predictable, but the match continued. Punk and Samoa Joe going out there and delivering a banger. I don't think a lot of people will complain about this match on rewatch, except that it does drag a little bit, but both guys are in their 40s. It wasn't expected to be reasonably to their old-school Ring of Honor encounters. Punk leaned into the booze, which I did like, is honestly going outside the Chicagoland area. Punk is either an anti-hero or full-blown heel for the most part. 14 minutes even your match time. Yeah, and I I really like the um I really like the throwback, especially with their rivalry by using the Pepsi plunge to beat them yeah. instead of using the go to sleep, which I thought was a great, great throwback and things like that. So I really enjoyed that part. But unfortunately, his efforts in this match were de- were def- definitely overshadowed by what he did backstage prior to even coming out to the yeah. fucking ring, which is crazy. All right, next up, we will have our six-man tag team matchup, the Bang Bang Gang, Bullet Club Go, Jay White and Juice Robinson teaming with Konosuke Takeshita yeah. to take on the Golden Elite, Kenny Omega, Hangman Adam Page, and Kota Ibushi. Another banger of a matchup. Really was back and forth all the way through, but in a shocking turn of events, Konosuke Takeshita was able to get a roll-up pinfall victory over Kenny Omega to give his team a victory. The match went 20 minutes and 30 seconds until we had a, that surprising decision with the Golden Elite falling to this team. So, Sith, what did you think about Bullet Club Golden Takeshita against the Golden Elite? Okay, fun trios match where a lot of insanity took place, including a lot of false finishes. In hindsight, Takeshita going over was the right call. Because guess what we're getting tomorrow night, folks? Omega Takeshita in Chicago. Oh, and I'm sure that the guns learned a lot while being on the outside of the ring easily enough. Oh, and the Bang Bang Gang really worked well with Takeshita. And Ibushi was solid with Omega and Paige. 20 minutes, 30 seconds, your match time. This was a good fucking match. Yeah, it was really good. I just hate the fact that Sage kept ragging on Obushi because Obushi's not some skinny little twig anymore. And now he's all of a sudden calling him fat and shit like that. I didn't like that at all. Anyway. Nah, you got to scale that shit back. Obushi will whoop his ass. Anyway, we move on and we would have our second title match of the main card, our fourth of the night overall for the AEW World Tag Team Championships, FTR defending against the Young Bucks in their trilogy, the third of their trilogy series. And one thing I can respect and admire 
is you can tell who are really good professional wrestlers because they get into a trilogy series and not one match in that three-match series is the same. And this was no different here. Same thing we talked about with Cody and Brock in their trilogy series. All three of their matches were all so very different uh, in terms of presentation and how they, you know, how they went about it. This is the same thing for FTR and the Young Bucks. There was, this match was not the same as their previous two encounters. And this one was probably the better, the probably the better of the three, I'm going to be honest with you. But I think that I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm kind of being unfair with that comparison because their first one took place during the pandemic, so there wasn't a lot of people, so that kind of hindered, you know, the 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 feel the energy of it. Yeah. But I think that this one right here was really really good. I uh, ended uh, with the shatter machine from FTR to get the victory again. Twenty one minutes and forty five seconds was the match time, and then afterwards uh, they would try to get do a show of respect to the Bucks. The Bucks would say, "Nah, and just keep it walk, keep it pushing, uh, and things like that." But a great matchup. As Sith, how did you feel? My God, this was an amazing matchup that over delivered. At the end of the day. We need to expect greatness out of both teams, and FTR and the Bucks gave us what we wanted at the end of the day. We also had a good situation after the match where the door could be left open for yet another encounter at some point. A lot like the Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll Express, this is a rivalry that never gets stole. 21.45 is your match time. This is possibly a top 10 match of the year. Yeah, I, I feel the same way as like, yeah, when it comes to this, uh, I think this is definitely a top 10 worthy yeah. uh, 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 matchup mm-hmm. with what they do. Uh, by the way, like just to, just to pivot a little bit, I got an alert about a story that came out a couple of days ago about the former uh, Lacey Evans now going by a real name, Macy Estrella. She's opened an exclusive content site and oh boy. <laughs> Oh fucking boy. Homegirl, homegirl, guy, yeah. <laughs> homegirl, go, yeah. Okay, cool. Anyway, we're going to move yeah, on. Let her do her thing. Mandy does it. Let her True. do it. Yeah, but see, like, Lacey was smart. She decided to do it after her contract expired and not while she was under contract yeah. and got fired for it. Okay, so let's not compare it to Mandy. That is Mandy true. decided to do it while she was still under contract and got fired for it. <laughs> yep. Anyway, all right. Stadium Stampede next. Twenty-one minutes and thirty seconds of pure anarchy and yeah. violence. That's all I can say about that. It was pure anarchy and violence uh, with Eddie Kingston, El uh, Pentel, Zero Miedo, the, and the the best friends, and Orange Cassidy taking on the Blackpool Combat Club along with Santana and Ortiz. Santana now going by Mike Santana. Yeah. And again, just violence. That's all it was, just violence. Mm-hmm. It was all it was, violence. Sith, go ahead, talk about it. Yeah. That was all it was. It was just nothing but violence. Yeah. This was an insane brawl that was really a wild-ass ride start to finish. Hey, Sue made an appearance in the middle of it all, driving a van into the stadium, then handing over tra- trays of baked goodies that Trey Wise was used as weapons. But I have a worry, though. Between these matches, as well as Blood and Guts and their other major melee, Anarchy in the Arena, you got to settle this back a bit so these matches don't feel like tropes and instead feel like, wow, 
this was impactful. So hopefully we get a break with, from these matches until Revolution or Double or Nothing. All good, though. 21 and a half minutes. Absolute bedlam and chaos that I absolutely loved. The finish was what got me because Orange Cassidy, bloody bruised and beaten up, puts glass on his hand, the very injured hand, and decides to hit an orange punch on Claudio Castagnoli with the glass on his hand. And Castagnoli sold that shit like he was like he got shot. The way yes. he sold that, he looked like he got shot. That's how he sold that shit. But in the end, it was the... And here's the crazy thing is that Orange Cassidy just got a pinfall victory over the reigning Ring of Honor world champion. Are we going to give my man Orange a shot at that title, though? I'm asking. I'm asking for a friend, a.k.a. me. I just want to know. Anyway, but that's what happened. And then we would go to our lone About women's match of the night. OC push when we preview all out. So there you go. All right, our next our next match is our lone women's match on the card for the AEW yeah. Women's World Championship. Uh, Hikaru Shida defending against Soraya, Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, and Tony Storm. Just the entrances were just captivating. Soraya yeah. coming out to "We Will Rock You" by Queen with her family in tow because she's home, yes. and she's saying, "This is my house." It's like this is literally my house. I mean, she's not wrong. She is. <laughs> From the UK, though she's from Norwich, but still, that is yeah. that was her house. Uh, Britt Baker with the big pyro display, and she even mentioned that on Twitter, uh, giving you know, you know, giving thanks and blessings for you know being able to be in that position to be able to make an entrance in front of eighty-one thousand plus fans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Tony Storms was absolutely hilarious. This character, Tony Storms, is absolutely yes. just absolutely spot on. Great, honestly, so yes. great. A uh, match happened, and it was one of the shortest matches on the main card. Not the shortest match overall, but it was the shortest match on the main card. Eight minutes and 50 seconds, and we ended up with uh, Soraya hitting her finishing maneuver while uh, while Dr. Britt Baker had uh, Tony Storm locked in, had uh, Sheeta locked into the lockjaw, as we have a new Women's World Champion, it is none other than Soraya, almost a full circle moment after just four, almost five years ago. Mm-hmm. It was over five years ago, I think it was, where she suffered that injury in a house show and it looked like her wrestling career was over and done to now being the top woman and the face of the AEW Women's Division. Go ahead, Sid, what you got to say about this one? And the shots... Of Mercedes Monet were not just a coincidence, folks. At all. At all. None. If y'all think it's just coincidence, sorry about your damn luck, but we're going to get a program between Soraya and Mercedes Monet after Mercedes Monet is cleared for competition again. That's happening. Anywho, I can't imagine that We Will Rock You was cheap. They made for a cold entrance, though. The match itself felt like they were on rewatch. It was okay. This is all we're getting in the women's division is AEW going to AEW, but it was still a really good match, though. Please. And I think we're seeing the end of this, the spray can gimmick. It's an annoying trope. It's dead on arrival, but I think we're moving beyond that now. On the bright side... You were asking questions after the match. So what gives with the outcasts? What's going to happen? 
because Soraya is your new AEW Women's Champion. Eight minutes, 50 seconds is your match time here. And I'll be dwelling on that with a stat in my final thoughts. Champ. I just hate the fact that your lone women's match couldn't get a women's match for a championship couldn't get 10 minutes. We have a button for that. I'm not even going to press the button. It's not even worth it, honestly. I just need to say this and just get move on because I'm going to get pissed. I just don't understand how the women keep continue to get treated like this. Like you have Soraya winning in her home country, but it literally took less than nine minutes. You could have gave him yeah. another minute, give him a ten minutes, because that's the only match on the main card that doesn't hit double digits. Every match on the main card got double digits, including uh, the mm-hmm. couple of multi man matches that got twenty minutes, and your main yeah. event got almost thirty minutes. Yet somehow your women's world title match couldn't even get ten. I just don't understand that. And again, I wish that we I wish I had a way to show that sign again. Book women's wrestling better because that's not it. Right. You could put the women on all the main events of Dynamite and Rampage and Collision, all the fuck you want to. But it's not gonna mean shit if they're going on a pay-per-view getting one match and not even getting ten minutes when it's for a championship. That was the one thing I learned when I got into backyard wrestling. We had someone who was who was a very good booker. He always had the he always had the the formula that a championship match should be at least fifteen minutes, at least fifteen minutes, yep. and a regular match should be ten minutes. Whoa. Even though they have specific time limits, they know that when planning out a match, you should plan out a match to go to up to this much time or this much things like that. A regular match should be 10, 10 to twelve minutes. A championship match should be at minimum fifteen minutes, at minimum. But we're not getting that for the women. They're getting less than 10 minutes for a championship match when, again, a regular – and you have matches on here that aren't even for championships that got 20 – fuck. Bullet Club Golden and Takeshita versus the Golden Elite should not get twenty over 20 minutes. It should not because it wasn't for a championship. But they yeah. got 20 fucking minutes. The stadium stampede match wasn't for a championship. Now, I get, I get the being over 20 minutes because it's brawl and it's like 10 people. But still, come on, guys. Anyway, right. moving on. Coffin match. Yep. Darby mm-hmm. Allen and Sting with Sting Darby coming out to uh, that. What was the name of that song, Sid? Because you would know that. Because I'm I'm not familiar with some of them older songs. Shit. Um. Fuck. Hold on. Let me see if I put it in my notes here, real quick. No, I didn't. God damn it! I can't remember the name of the song, but I was banging my head like you wouldn't believe. I, I want to say it was Metallica. Seek and Destroy. Yeah, Seek and Destroy by Metallica. Yes. They came out to the actual one, not the remix that Sting had when he was at WCW. Yes. So, you know, you know, Tony Khan played a pretty penny for some, some of these songs being played on this fucking pay-per-view. <laughs> anyway, Darby Allen and Sting defeats uh, Christian Cage and Swerve Strickland in that coffin match. It was 16 minutes even. It was... A fair matchup. It was a lot of uses of the casket, a lot of use, not a lot of uses of, yeah. of weaponry, and just overall, just a really very well laid out matchup for the most part. Uh, Sith, how did you feel about this match? Ayo, you're opening the entrance for Sting to allow Seek and Destroy. Expenses of a hell, as hell to get the rights to that song, even for one night, but fucking awesome. Does that make sense? I sure as hell hope so. This was a fun coffin match that honestly had a lot of fun spots, 
but also had the major issue of having the coffin involved in the ring. And it worked out great here. 16 minutes flat is your match time. This was a lot of fun. But towards the end, it dragged a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree that it did kind of drag towards the end. It was almost like they was trying to it was almost like they want they just drug out to the finish instead of just getting to the finish. Uh but at the same time, sometimes we do like some of us wrestle fans do complain when a finish happens so suddenly. Yeah. And it's like there's no rhyme or reason to it. So it's kind of a double edged sword here. It's like you want to get to the finish, but you want it to make sense. But then when you want it to make sense, you try to make it make too much sense and it drags out to the finish. So there you go. All right, we had our singles matchup between Will Ospreay and Chris Jericho. Jericho and his band Fozzie playing him to the ring, singing the song of uh, Judas with everybody singing and everything like that. Will Ospreay came out to elevate it instead of bring it down. Uh, he came out to elevate it with the uh, just emblazoned in the Union Jack, making sure damn sure everybody knew he was fucking home. Uh, for this one, wearing his IWGP United Kingdom Championship. Uh, this is a really good matchup here with uh, a, a lot of near falls, e even the use of the Judas effect, use of the uh, hidden blade. He hit the hidden blade, hit the Stormbreaker, but got a near fall. But then when he hit the combination a second time, we get the victory. It was even an interference from Sammy Guevara. Uh, but in the end, Will Ospreay would prevail and went 14 minutes and 55 seconds. Uh, Sith, your thoughts on this one? First stop, 81,035 people singing Judas along with Jericho. That was absolutely incredi incredible, and there's no denying it. Even though I'm pretty critical of having Judas sang, you know, sung every single time Jericho hits the ring, 81,035 people, I'll make an exception to to the rule and say that rule. Secondly, the match was a lot of fun. You had this teacher-student dynamic here, easily enough. Osprey going over was definitely the right call, and now you have another teacher-student program possibly happening as Jericho basically shoved Sammy Guevara out in the cold, and we'll probably talk about this when we get the dynamite of what's gonna happen. It's not match of the year candidate-wise. It's a lot of fun. 14.55 for match time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. It's not match of the year, but it definitely was a, a really nice match to watch. And it was just, you know, I just really enjoyed it. And I, I just enjoyed the entrances as well. The entrances really yes. made the match because the atmosphere and the energy and everything like that. All right. Our semi-main event, we would see the acclaimed taking on the House of Black in a House Rules no holds barred match for the AEW World Trio Championships. The match with 10 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, it was a lot that went on, but in the end, after the uh, after after the, their combination that they usually hit hit, we had new trio champions, none other than the acclaimed with Daddy Ass, who at the time was badass Billy Gunn. Yep. And there you go. Sith, your thoughts? Fun trios match. So allowed the acclaimed and Billy Gunn to become trios champions again. I mean, trios champions. Look, I love the house rules concept, and glad when it's used, the opposition can state claim as to what the match stipulation is going to be. In this case, no holds barred. 
Now, Julia Hart being involved towards the end was a good thing here. Although, honestly, she's getting better in ring and should have been in a match. Yeah, okay. We can see the House of Black now branching out again, possibly for other titles. But all in all, good stuff. 10.50, your match time. I really, I really just enjoyed this match because of the fact the acclaim won. Because I don't think anybody gave them a chance to beat the House of Black, and they turned around and beat the House of Black. I at thought their that was own awesome. Fun. Even though I had House of Black winning, I'm very happy they won. Yeah, I think that apps. I think that was, you know, I think that was that. I, I really, honestly thought that that was a great moment for them, especially because of the whole storyline of mm-hmm. Billy Gunn looking like he's retiring. Then they kept getting attacked. The claim was, and then finally, um, you know, he comes back and says, "Nah, I'm not daddy ass. I'm badass now." And yeah. then he comes out in badass fashion. They go, they win the championships. And by the way. It's not part of the five for for Dynamite this week, but I just want to bring this up. How cool are those ty- those the, those new AEW Trios championships? How cool are those? They're cool, but I have to wonder what are we doing with the trios um, division? Are we going to run back to the House of Black? Are we going to try to develop more trios teams? Maybe have Dalton Castle and the boys come over from ROH. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Well, I mean, they are already defending those championships on collision. True. True. They're already against uh, Menard, Parker, and um, and Garcia. Yeah. So I think that they are going. I I think that the the acclaimed again. The acclaimed are one of the most popular acts in AEW. They so they're going to find a way to get them on TV. Does that mean sacrificing other acts for them to get on TV? Probably. But Probably. they're one of the most popular acts on their roster right now. You're going to find a way to get them on TV, whether it's to defend the championships or just have a segment where Cassie right. comes out, cuts a freestyle, and they cut a promo, and then they go, they go the hell on. And- they're going to find a way to get them on TV. And whereas CM Punk is number one in merch right now in AEW, it wouldn't surprise me if the acclaimed are top five. Because people need to remember, we saw the acclaimed in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic, raising all sorts of hell on dark and dark elevation and having a ball and really learning the ropes. These guys were heels in Double or Nothing 2021 and the crowd erupted inside of Dilly's place. Remember that, Jam? Yep. The crowd went apeshit. And me and Champ were both like, they're going to turn babyface. These guys are fucking over. So good on the acclaim for getting the titles back because you want the hot team to keep elevating and pushing things forward. They're going to do that. But watch them put over other teams while they're champions because that's what they do. I don't think we live reacted to Double or Nothing because I was moving the next day. No, I was watching it. Okay. You're right. I, I, I watched it. I watched it, but I don't think we live reacted to it because I, no. I didn't want to be up late because I had to right. I had to move the next day, which right, was one we of the talk, which, which we was such back a forth in our chat. We're both like it, these this, guys are mutually fucking over. 
The only, reason why I remember, the only reason why I remember that weekend because of how shit it was. Because the next day I'm trying yeah. to move and it was just it was just all bullshit. It was shit. Anyway, let's talk about our main event for the AEW World Championship: MJF and Adam Cole. Uh, hours after winning the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships, now going up against each other. And let me tell you something: if we were doing push, if we were doing push or bury, this match gets a mega push. That's how good this fucking match was. This fucking match was absolutely amazing. It went 29 minutes. All the ups and downs you asked for, even some interference for Roderick Strong, and just all the emotions you could ask for all in one with MJF using a roll-up to pit a clean roll-up to get the pin on Adam Cole to retain the world championship. Sith, what did you think about this one? Fantastic main event that put on a major bow on this year's installment of All In is this was just flat out amazing. Even on the rewatch, when we had the first call of a draw, I'm like, no, don't end it this way. You No, you can't end it like this. Everything flowed greatly. And the stories that continued to be built also had purpose as well. You know, if you haven't seen the entrances for this match, my, my God, go see that shit on YouTube. It is amazing. To say the least, 29 minutes, your match time. Yeah, the longest match of the night was this the last match of the night yep. here. And I mean, understandably so. And everything that went into it just was absolutely incredible. And I mean, this is one of those matches that I would go back and watch again and again and again. That's how good this was. Uh, you had the spot in there where they yelled double clothesline and then they closed on each other. The entrance for MJF was absolutely uh, it was absolutely awesome. Outside of the fact that they that the the cart didn't stop fast enough and it hit two of the ladies that were down on their knees, it like, wasn't like they could brace themselves really. Thankfully, it didn't hit them that hard. Otherwise, I think they would have fell over. Uh, but it was a really well done main event. Really great way to close off what was a historic show and an historic night with a very very strong main event. And even the post match was even great as well. Yes. All right, Sith, it's time to talk about grades. Let's talk about grades. Sith, you started off. Every match here was fun to watch live as well as rewatch. Let's get that out of the way. However, the sole women's match is a glaring eye because creative creative appears to have short-sighted ideas on how to utilize women, and Tony Khan is sidetracked on that shit as well. Also, some of the camera angles were a bit shoddy at times. However, the rest of the card was either good or bangers. In a lot of these matches, love doors open for stories that you want to see long-term to to play out. Olin was an historic pay-per-view and a major achievement. Olin 2023 gets a solid A here, but the camera angles and the lack of booking in the women's division keep it from that stellar A+. Champ. Yeah, I got to agree with Sith and A. I mean, if you give that women's match at least one another minute uh, or maybe a minute and a half, get it above mm-hmm. 10 minutes, really give us some drama before the finish, I think you're you're treading on A-plus territory. But you can't I, can't, I can't in good conscience give this event an A-plus when the women's match fell so fucking short uh, of what it should have been, honestly. So... 
you know, I definitely got it. I got. I definitely got to give it. I got to give it an A as well. But all in all, it was still a really good event, and for oh, for right. what it what it brought to the table in terms of uh, revenue is it, that can't be understated. It really the revenue that came out of this was had was absolutely off the freaking charts. It was one of the uh, high one of the highest grossing for uh, events, and it's just incredible. Like eighty one thousand thirty five fans. Uh, paid to watch this in person and they yeah. still haven't even put out the buy rates for pay-per-view yet i think the initial figures was like around two hundred thousand, a little over two hundred thousand buys yeah so that's freaking crazy it's freaking crazy it is. all right let's talk about payback payback taking place saturday night reminder we will be live straight reacting to payback there will be no pre-show matches so we will go live at around seven fifty-five eastern standard time yep. to talk uh, to give you live reactions to that event that is a six match card with only two matches not for championships every other match on there is for a championship so as we always do we will talk about the non-title matches first and then we will talk about our championship matches so First off, we will have The Miz taking on none other than everybody saying L.A. Knight. Yeah. Sith, who you got in this one? This has been an ultra-personal rivalry that got even more personal on SmackDown this week. Hell yeah. Okay, this will be the measuring stick as to what happens with L.A. Knight. Yeah. After the story is over with. Miz has settled into an idea, and it's a good one, that he's putting over future talent. I'm on board with it, given that the Miz knows that some people put him over post tough enough, and he's at the stage of his career where he's giving back and putting over talent. LA Knight remains to be a hot commodity, big merch seller. He's over with the crowd. I think he wins here, but after that said... After this program is over, I want to see how further up the card LA Knight goes. Um, I got to go with LA Knight on this one. Honestly, the Miz has uh-huh. done so much. He's a two, he's a Grand Slam winner two times over. Like, what would he benefit or gain from a win here? And with the popularity of LA Knight, there's no way you go into Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, against someone from, and have someone from Cleveland. Win. If you watch football, you know how bad that. Oh, that would be, be the ultimate troll job. Absolutely, it would. I think that you got to give the win to L.A. Knight here. The man has been so popular. He's been he's uber popular. He's uber over. And I think a win for him here would be absolutely fantastic. So give it give it to L.A. Knight. All right, yeah. steel cage match. Steel cage match time. Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. This rivalry's been going on. Since uh, right, since shortly after WrestleMania, after they were on the winning side together, but then they had an injury angle for Lita to try to set up for Trish to portray Becky Lynch, and this ride has been going on for the last four months, like three, four months, and is now going to culminate with this steel cage match. Sith, what do you think is going to happen with this one? This should be the icing on the cake here with this story. And both Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus have helped elevate Zoe Stark in this summer-long storyline that actually started the Raw after WrestleMania Hollywood. This should and will go in favor of Becky Lynch to win, but I have to wonder, though, are we going to see Becky get an encounter with with Tiffany Stratton tonight? 
We shall see. But I have Becky Lynch winning here. Yeah, I'm also going with Becky Lynch. And that's interesting that you brought that up because uh, Tiffany Stratton caught a lot of heat last week uh, during her promo when she said that, when she mentioned Becky Lynch as a former NXT Women's Champion when when Becky Lynch never won that championship. But Becky yeah. Lynch did uh, respond on social media saying, hey, you know, I've never held that championship, but maybe I should try for it. So you never know. It might, we might see We might see a... We might see a confrontation between uh, Tiffany Stratton and, and Becky Lynch. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Or maybe Becky Lynch shows up Tuesday night on NXT after beating Trish and being like, now that I've handled that business, let's handle this business. Um, yeah. So there you go. I wouldn't mind, All right. I wouldn't mind Bex winning the NXT Women's Championship for a spell, taking Stratton under her wing, because the women in NXT have a common thread. A lot of them do. They're a lot like how Becky Lynch was before she became the last kicker, where in ring they're looking okay. They're on the mic. Oh my God. Yeah. All right. Let's yeah. talk about our championship matches here. There are, four of, there are four of them here. First one we're going to talk about is for the WWE Women's World Championship. Rhea Ripley has been a dominant champion since uh, winning the then SmackDown Women's Championship over, uh, from Charlotte Flair, then getting drafted to Raw and it being rebranded to the uh, World Women's World Championship. Yeah. But the only person who can go toe-to-toe, blow-for-blow with someone in the likes of Rhea Ripley is Raquel Gonzalez. They have shown it before in their matches for the NXT Championship in uh, NXT, NXT Women's Championship at NXT during uh, the tail end of the pandemic before both of them were uh, called up to the main roster. And now we're getting uh, we're getting a chance to see this uh, unfold. Sid, who you got in this one? Does Rhea retain or do we crown a new Women's World Champion? At the end of the day, this women's match will be a lot of fun. But that being said... The outcome is predictable. I think Rhea Ripley does retain here. I'm not saying that Raquel and Rhea won't have a hell of a match. It's going to be a lot of fun. With a lot of strength and abilities on both parts, these two women were great rivals down in NXT. That said, Rhea is retaining. Whoever goes against Rhea is taking a gamble that I can't say I would take. Yeah, I, I can't go against Rhea with how dominant she is. Uh, I really think that her and Raquel are going to have a banger of a matchup. Like I said, if, if NXT was any indication of how good these two work together, I'm expecting uh, a really good matchup between these two young ladies, though it's going to be different on the main roster because of the style. Yeah. But I still expect this to be a very, very good contest between the two. But Rhea will retain uh, her championship. And I, still, and I find it funny here, listen up, AEW, that WWE has has a six-match card and still can fit two women's matches on here, while you have an 11-match card, including your pre-show, and can only get one that has less than t- gets less than 10 minutes' time. Absolute I'm just saying. Problems. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Anyway, yeah. next, United States Championship match. Rey Mysterio defending against Austin Theory. Sith, I have a, a theory, no pun intended, regarding this, but I want to hear your thoughts on this first. What is Okay, the good news for Austin Theory is that he's getting his rematch against Rey Mysterio. However, his character needs major retooling here big time, and I don't think Pretty Deadly or Grayson Waller will help him win this one. I have 
Ray retaining. I expect Santos Escobar to turn heel eventually on his mentor and eventually become United States champion. So thank God you didn't take my theory because here's my theory. Santos Escobar cost Rey Mysterio the championship in this matchup. I'm just going to put that out right, right now. Okay. He's costing him the match. He's costing him the title. What? What? Yep, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's going <laughs> to it's going to shock everybody. And he's going to be so like he's going to be he's going to be it's going it's going to be crazy. I'm telling you, that's what I think is going to happen. Theory's going to become the new champion. Thanks to Santos Escobar. That's what's going to happen. OK, period. Yeah. Or Grayson right. Waller. No, I think it's going to be Santos Escobar. All right, cool. That's, I'm going with that. All right, next up, uh, undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship, KO and Sammy defending against the Judgment Days, Finn Balor and Damian Priest. The tensions between Priest and Finn Balor has been absolutely palpable for the long ever since Priest became Mr. Money in the Bank. I feel like that palpability, that palpable uh, tension is going to be festering uh, very heavily in this matchup. Sith, what do you think? Okay, this should be an intriguing street fight to say the least, and I do expect our champions to retain here, but I have a few major issues here. One, how come the tag team titles haven't been split up yet? And two, how will Jordan Devlin factor in this match? As there's been an ultimatum from Rhea Ripley at Raw this week that in the Judgment Day isn't full of gold, things will be worked on, and I think someone, Finn Balor, is out. KO and Sammy retain here. Finn Balor about to do a babyface run because of what's going to happen in the main event. Champ. Uh, I gotta go. I'm going with KO and Sammy, but I'm not going that deep into the rabbit hole. I just think I just think that. Once again, the money in the bank is going to play a role in this and cost the Judgment Day uh, their chance to become tag team champions. And I, I'm just that's as far as I'm going to go with it. I don't see it going any further than that in my mind, but it could go that way. But yeah. right now, I just see that the money in the bank will most likely be a factor in them in the Judgment Day losing this matchup and KO and Sammy retaining. Uh, and then, of course. The World Heavyweight Championship match, Seth freaking Rollins taking on Shinsuke Nakamura. The big the storyline behind this one has been that, you know, Nakamura knows that Rollins has a bad back. He says he's going to break him. He's going to crush him. He's going to send him yeah. back home to his wife and his child and more pain and X, Y, Z. Cool. Seth, what do you got in this one? This is going to be an intriguing match here. So we're seeing a darker sh- a darker side of Shinsuke Nakamura's personality here. We haven't seen since his New Japan days. This is going to be a really good match, and I think after it's Nakamura, Damian Priest cashes in and wins. So Rollins wins the match, but then loses to Priest in the post-match. 
That's interesting. That's really interesting. I don't foresee a cash in. I mean, it would be it would be good because it would be out of nowhere. We not we wouldn't be expected on a on a show the magnitude of payback. But that would be exactly. the perfect time to do it on a on a show where you know you're not expecting it on a six match card. But I I like that. But I still think that Rollins will retain, and I think that that the great Muda will cost Shinsuke Nakamura the match to get his payback on it for what he did in Japan, and then be gone so that's what i think is going to happen i mean muda is a hall of favor so he can show up at wwe if he wants to he's a fucking hall yeah. of favor for fuck's sake so why not so i that's what i'm going with honestly so i'm going with all right preliminary grades sir what do you got for this one okay so this feels a bit like a standard wwe second tier pay-per-view event no worries though the steel cage match should be the closing chapter trish Stratus returning for a program, which has been a bit mixed at times. That said, Raquel Rodriguez and Rhea Ripley, although a predictable outcome, should be a good match. Rollins Nakamura should be a banger. LA Knight versus The Miz should be decent. The tag team match should be a lot of fun. And Austin versus Theory versus Rey Mysterio has some intrigue. Starting off with a B this evening, as there's a term for the matches here predictable but should be good um i'm gonna go with a a b plus because every every match on this card has some kind of story behind it that's really pushing it to be interesting every single one uh Rhea, Mm -hmm. you know causing injury to raquel raquel wanting her revenge and the championship we know that Theory felt Ray stole his championship after he took out Escobar. Excuse me, Escobar, Judgment Day, and Sammy Kay have been going at it for weeks now. Uh, Rollins and Nakamura, the thing with the back, with Rollins' back, and you know Nakamura being such a menacing SOB. Uh, Trish Stratus and Becky's been going on since after WrestleMania. LA Knight and Miz have been absolutely captivating. Uh, that promo they, segment they did on Friday night was absolutely phenomenal. And um, mm-hmm. I'm going with a B plus. I'm, I'm thinking this is a B plus only because I feel like something's going to be something's going to drag it slightly down enough that it's not. That I feel like it could or could not reach a territory, but a B plus gives it in a, in a puts it in a place where maybe it'll be a, maybe it'll stay B plus, or maybe it'll go down to a B. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? All right. Let's talk about All Out, which is going to be on Sunday. And again, we will not be live reacting to All Out. We will not be live reacting to All Out, but we will talk about it in terms of a preview and a recap next week on the podcast. Uh, But first off, let's talk about it. So again, we will talk about the non-title matches first, and then we'll talk about the title matches. So there are only three, there are four non-title matches and the rest, five championship matches on the card. Now, first, we will see Eddie Kingston, the New Japan Strong Openweight Champion, teaming with the Ring of Honor Pure Champion, Katsuyori Shibata, to take on Wheeler Yuta and, uh, and Claudio Castagnoli of the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, Castagnoli is the current Ring of Honor World Champion. Uh, who you got in this one, Sith? This should be an intriguing tag team matchup, but I really think deep down Wheeler Yuta is going to eat the pen as Kingston and Shibata are getting the W here. I think it's just another spoke on the program between Cast Technology and Kingston, but overall it's going to be a good match. It could be a sleeper of sorts. 
I just want to see Willie Uter and or Claudio Castagnoli take uh, take the uh, what you call it the bitch maker. I just want to yes. see. I just want to see Shibata slap the absolute shit out of somebody, and I'll be happy. I'm going with Eddie and Shibata as well. I think that uh, I think that, like you said, Wheelie Uta will most likely eat the pin, and it's going to start to become a pattern. At which point, it could be leading to some cracks in the BCC, uh, especially with uh, Danielson still down with that injured arm that he suffered during uh, yeah uh, Forbidden Door and stuff like that. So we'll see. All right, Bullet Club Gold will be in action. It'll be uh, Austin. It'll be the Guns, Jay White, and Juice Robinson as a collective taking on the team of the Young Bucks and the AEW World Tag Team Champions, FTR. Uh, what do you got going on with this eight-man tag team match? This is a match that I know a lot of people are going to back on, but God damn it, I need this match here. The Bang Bang Gang are running rough, rough shed in AEW, so a sub as a subgroup of the Bullet Club, and you have a can they coexist deal with the Young Bucks and FTR? His FTR was a bit peeved that the Bucks wouldn't shake hands last Sunday. Overall, it should be a fun match, but I think in time the Bucks might try another heel turn. But for this weekend, I'm going with the Bang Bang. That's right, Bullet Club Gold wins, champ. And I just realized I put I put my picks for everybody but this matchup here. So this is awkward. Um, I'm going the opposite way. I'm going FCR on the Bucks. I right, think cool. that I, I think that it'll be a shatter machine on one of the guns to get the victory. Then they'll once again try the whole respect thing, and maybe they get it, maybe they don't. I don't know. But I'm going FCR on the Bucks here. Yeah, Nothing right. against Bullet Club Gold, but I think that's where I'm going with this one. All right, next up, Kanosuke Takeshita, fresh off of getting that pinfall victory on Kenny Omega in the six-man match the week prior. He goes one-on-one with Kenny Omega. Who you got in this one? So, El Hijo de Down Callis finally gets his match on AEW pay-per-view against Kenny by God Omega. I know a lot of people are upset that we didn't get this match solo dolo at all in, but overall, this should be a banger. These guys have a history, to say the least, of Don Callis being the X Factor big time. Look, it's easy for me to point this out. Kenny Omega wins. Takeshita won this past week. So, yes, Omega gets a W back this weekend. I agree. Omega does get the W back this weekend, and I think that it's going to be a really good matchup. Uh, you know, Kenny Omega spent a lot of his career in Japan, so he knows how to, to, to take the damage from the Japanese strong style and give it back. And we know uh-huh. that in those cases, Takashi is going to bring it in terms of the strikes and things like that. So this is going to be a really physical matchup, but Omega, I think, survives in the end so, to get the W. And then our other non-title matchup is another singles matchup where Miro, in a first-time-ever matchup, takes on Powerhouse Hobbs. What I don't like about this is that they've had two different times where they advanced the storyline, where the storyline has gone. First was the uh, initial of Powerhouse calling out Miro, and then, you know, Miro going on the camera and stuff. And then the second time was when Miro was in the arena and got jumped by Powerhouse Hobbs, and then we heard nothing else of it except for this match. So I'm not too psyched about this matchup because based on the build, unless they do something on collision on Saturday night, I don't think they built this 
uh, properly enough to get people invested. But what do you think, sir? Um, as much as I like both wrestlers, you know, I love Miro, love Powerhouse Hobbs. I don't like having this match on the card just because they weren't on all ends card as match wise, or in this case as well, the build has been start, stop, start, stop for months now. This is going to be big beefy men slapping major meat here. And it's something that we will enjoy. But at the end of the day, will it be the Redeemer? Or reading from the Book of Hobbs? Book of Hobbs. I'll go and powerhouse Hobbs here, but don't be shocked if Mira pulls it out. Yeah, I'm going the opposite direction. I think that the way that they have absolutely just been pushing and put like pushing Miro since his mm-hmm. return and on collision. I think that Miro is the one that's going to become the uh the man and actually win is actually gonna win this matchup. So I'm actually going with uh with that. I'm going with Miro to get the victory over Powerhouse Hobbs. I honestly feel like it's gonna be that. Honestly, it's, it should be, it yeah. should be, it's, it's, it's going to be a good match. I feel like, but I just feel like they haven't built it up properly enough for me to care. That's yeah. my problem. They haven't built it enough for me to care. It's like that with a lot of these matches on the card as we'll get down the card with. Right. And we got my man HPC in the building in our Twitch chat who said, I predict no backstage fights this week. <laughs> well, I mean, CM Punk is CM Punk's not there, so of course we're not gonna see any backstage fights anyway. All right, let's get to yeah, our we're not five. Gonna have anybody get choked out backstage this weekend. Right. So let's get to our five championship matches. And again, this card is subject to change, so just know that any additional matches added if they do a zero hour for this event, those will be updated on our those will be updated on, our, on the post on on the post on our our Facebook page. So keep an eye out on that. All right, first championship matchup is for the AEW TBS Championship. Chris Statlander defending the championship against Ruby, 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 Ruby Soho. Uh, Sith, what do you got in this one? They did a little something this week to try to get us uh, excited for this championship matchup, but what do you got in this one? Hey, Tony Khan, I have a fucking idea that you're dead set against more than likely giving this match more than nine fucking minutes on pay-per-view. I get that this is for an undercard title. I get that. But can Tony Khan please give give these women some time here? Okay, so Soho's in a transitional state here because she walked out on her fellow outcast stablemates last weekend and I don't know if Soraya is feeling better, or do I know if Tony Storm will come out to the aid of Soho. Statlander's a really good wrestler, going with as well as Soho, but I'm going with Statlander to retain here. Yeah, I am also rocking with Stat to uh, retain the championship here. She's been doing such a wonderful, wonderful job. Uh, being the CBS champion, uh, nothing against the first and first CBS champion who went undefeated through a run, but we're seeing a lot more Statlander on TV than we did uh, Kier, uh, than we did Jade. our first champion Jade Cargill 
uh, honestly. Yep. And clearly, like, Jay Cargo's liking life not wrestling because she ain't coming back anytime soon, which I don't blame her if that's the She's case. She's been but, backstage of late, but that's it. I guess, yeah, whatever it is. Anyway, uh, yeah. but that, I think Statlander retains. Next up, the international championship. Arts Cassie has had an unprecedented 31 successful oh. defenses of that championship after successfully defending against Penta El Zero Miedo on Dynamite in the main event on Wednesday. But now he's going to look for the big number 32. But boy, is that going to be a tough ass for him to get his 32nd successful defense of that championship against a former three-time AEW world champion in John Moxley. Sith? Do we see a 30-second title defense, or will we see a the, only the third international champion in that championship's history? Orange Cassidy has gone through every opponent and then some during his AEW International Championship reign, which has gone 324 days, almost closing in on a full year here. I have to wonder, though, with all of his victories, is this the time that Orange Cassidy gets the throne? I will say this. If he loses, it's time to push Orange Cassidy up the card here. He said 31 successful title defenses. I've been going back and forth on this match throughout the week because Moxley would make a good international champion, but Cassidy has elevated that title so much, and I don't want the reign to end. But I'm going with Mox. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it all points to Moxley winning the winning the match and winning the championship i mean everything points to that it does. and i agree with everything that you said sith about it being mox you know mox being the one to possibly be the one to dethrone orange cassidy but i think we're going to get a 30 second title defense <laughs> what what he will defend that championship for the 32nd time. So I'm going with Orange Cassidy to retain the championship. And HBC, I hope you're doing well, pal. Um, but HBC, yeah. how are you, my man? Yeah, I think Orange retains. I think he retains. Yeah. All right. TNT championship. Luchasaurus, the ch- actual champion, not Christian Cage, will be defending against Darby Allen. Uh, we, do you think that Darby Allen will become a, I believe, three-time TNT champion or will Luchasaurus retain the championship? Wow. This fucking match is really just going to be one that'll be good. But I don't know if it's going to be the one that I would want to pay $49.99 to see all over again. I get the feeling Luchasaurus is slowly getting tired of Christian Cage. And at some point, he's going to turn babyface again. But this weekend, he wins with help with Christian Cage. No offense to Darby Allen. He's not winning here. Luchasaurus retains. 
I tend to disagree. I think that Christian Cage will get involved, but he will cost Luchasaurus the championship, and 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 uh, Darby Allen will become a three-time TNT champion. Right. So I'm going with Darby to become the champion thanks to Christian Cage. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Yeah. ROH, we have two ROH championship matches on an AEW uh, pay-per-view. Think about that shit. And one of those is for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. Better than you, Bebe, Adam Cole, and, the M- and MJF, the world champion, will take on the winners of Friday night's uh, Ring of Honor Tag Team Battle, Ro- no, Battle Royale, The Dark Order, John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Uh, who you got in this one, Sif? As much as I wanted to see Aussie Open win back the belts as and win last night's Battle Royale, which was actually Wednesday night, then when I'm going with better than you, Bebe, to retain here. It, it sucks that Rampage was recorded Wednesday night, as honestly, the opposition for Cole and MJF was spoiled online. So this was just a foregone conclusion that with Alex Reynolds and Johnny Hungy, that better than you, baby, is retaining here. I like that better than you, baby, are the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. I do. I really do. I really like the run that they're all. You know, they their their run hasn't really started yet since they just yep. won them a week ago, almost a week ago. But I feel like it's Dark Order's time. Oh, what? Yeah. What? It's their time. And the fact that the Dark Order have been used mostly more on Ring of Honor than they have on AEW, there are more tag teams on the Ring of Honor side of things. There are a lot of tag teams on the Ring of Honor side of things that could really deal with, you know, a use of working with the Dark Order. So I feel like this is the perfect time to put tag titles on those two, especially with that promo they did last week on Rampage, where it looks like they're getting they're ramping up their aggression and stuff like that. This is the perfect time. And I think that this will also uh create a more of a rift between Adam Cole and MJF that was kind of teased at the end of all in. Mm-hmm. So I think you kind of create that rift and really start to push it from there. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So that that's why I'm going with Dark Water to become the new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. And then, of course, we have the Ring of Honor World Television Championship on the line. Samoa Joe, who's been the champion forever, he will be defending that championship against none other than Shane Taylor. Shane Taylor having won a Ring of Honor World Television Championship Eliminator Tournament, uh, defeating Gravity on August the 10th to earn this opportunity at the championship. He would defeat Serpentico, Christopher Daniels, and Gravity on his way to becoming the number one contender for that championship. Now he gets a shot at it uh, on the pay-per-view. Who you got this one? Shane Taylor, who was previously one of the most dominant Ring of Honor television champions in the history of that championship, or does Samoa Joe's dominant reign continue? Why? Well, because we need to pad the card with matches here. That's why this match is here. This will be a good match, match nevertheless, but I find it odd that the only reason why this match is here is because Tony Khan needed to get this card padded through. Should be a good match nevertheless, but going with the Samoan submission machine to retain yet again. Samoa Joe wins. 
Yeah, I think Joe retains, but I would not be surprised if he did become the Ring of Honor uh, World Television Champion. He won it back on uh, October the ninth of on May the ninth of two thousand nineteen, defeating Jeff Cobb, Brody King, and Hiroki Goto to become champion, and will hold that championship until final battle on December of that year, uh, losing to Dragon Lee. So he held on to that championship for seven months. Seven yeah. months. That is insane. That's over two hundred days as champion. That's crazy. Anyway, but that's what's happening there. All right, Sith. That's it's a nine match card. No zero hour matches announced. But who? What do you got for the grade here? Coming off a really spectacular all in, AEW has to pivot and come right back around to Chicago tomorrow to give us AEW all out. Now, Champ and I will not be live review, live reacting to this pay per view. But we will be reviewing it next Sunday night. So please take that in mind. This card has a lot of potential, but overall, this feels as though the matches we couldn't get for All In or on TV, whether it be Rampage, Dynamite Collision, or Ring of Honor TV, we're getting here instead. I'm going with a B grade to start off here, but damn. This could bite AEW a little bit in the ass because of the lack of cohesive building here due to back-to-back pay-per-view weekends. I think this this will be a litmus test for AEW on whether they can put on back-to-back pay-per-views and be successful. Mm-hmm. They were uber-successful with All In, but they're putting on an all-out car that looks like an average episode of Dynamite or Rampage, just yeah. multiplied. Honestly, you don't even have a world championship match scheduled on a pay-per-view. That right there already is a red flag that a world there's not a single world championship match on here outside of just your Ring of Honor World Tag Team title match and your World TV title match. But you don't have a women's world title match. You don't have your AEW world title match on the line. Hell, you don't even have your Ring of Honor world title match uh, being defended on this card. You're setting yourself up for fail. I'm going to say a B minus just off the strength of the fact that you don't have any major championships on the line here except for your mid-card championships of the international TBS and TNT championships and uh, along with your Ring of Honor TV title and your Ring of Honor tag title match. Yes, those your major titles were defended on your on your other pay-per-view, but if this is AEW, why are those championships not being defended on back-to-back pay-per-views? So this is going to be the litmus test to see if they adjust that and make it so that those championships are on the line on both pay-per-views and not just one or the other. Because if they go out with this card and they're not successful, they're going to have to fix some things. They're going to have to fix some things in order for this to be successful, period. All right, well, that's it for our look at, uh, back on All In and our look ahead to Payback and to AEW All Out. And again, we will be live reacting to pay, to Payback on Saturday night uh, right on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash truenospotspod. No live reaction to All Out, but we will have a recap of both events all next week on the podcast. Hey you, yeah you, you enjoying this episode? 
I hope you are, because if you are, you can go ahead and subscribe to us. We're currently on Anchor and Spotify, as well as other podcasting platforms. So subscribe, follow us, and also check us out on social media, on Facebook, facebook.com slash nospotspod, as well as twitter.com slash truenospotspod. Now we return to the show. All right, Sunday now night. Let's go ahead. 7 p.m. That's right. Oh, thank you for the reminder, Seth. Thank Sunday you for the reminder. 7 p.m. Yep. I'm glad you repeated it because it, it cut out a little, it cut out a little bit. I uh, so full disclosure, everybody. I'm stopping using ah. the local recording function on what we use the stream for because of the fact that it's broken. And I still end up having to use the original recording anyway, so I'm just going to use it and just apologize for the poor audio quality from, you know, cutouts and stuff like that. It is what it is. I have no other means of fixing it. Anyway, so thank you for the reminder, Sif, that starting next week, that's right, next week, we will be on Sunday night, Sunday, September the 10th, we will be on for the weekly wrestling podcast where you will get a recap of all in all out of payback plus you will get sift's thoughts as well as mine both together on collision from the night before moving forward so that so you'll be looking for the, the the stream on sunday night with the audio going up monday morning so there you go yep uh, but but for now it's now time to talk about the week that was it is time for our weekend review also known as push or bury where we take five bits from each show from raw all the way to rampage or in some cases uh collision depending on when we record this which next week will be uh included as well and we give either we give a rating of either a push big push or mega push if it was good small push or leaving where it is when it's average and a bury if it was bad so we go through the whole week, and also we give out great. We we talk about the grades provided by Bleacher Report, with Sif giving his opinions and grades based on what Bleacher Report gives as well. And those grades come from Raw, NXT, AEW, Dynamite, SmackDown, and Rampage as uh, overall. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into our week in review. We start off with Monday Night Raw, and we talk about the match that opened up the show. That was none other than one half of the undisputed tag team champions, Sami Zayn, taking on Senor Money in the Bank, Damian Priest, with uh, JD, Jordan Devlin trying to get involved and help out and things like that, but he would get it in the end in the post-match. Sith, Push or Barry, Damian Priest versus Sami Zayn, our opening contest. Really good opening match, but what keeps this from big push territory? Your champion was pinned here, although it was with shenanigans from Jordan Devlin. Overall, good way to open up Raw, push, bordering on big push. Push as well. I really enjoyed the action here. I honestly like feel like, you know, again, this... They they use this as kind of sort of like a foreshadowing of the mm-hmm. result going the other way for Priest and for Balor. I don't see them winning the tag titles this weekend, and I think we all we saw we spoke about that during the uh, the review the re, the preview of the of the event that we'll yep. see you know them fall and we'll see KO and Sammy retain the championships, but we'll see. All right, 
the New Day were in action. They were taking on the Viking Raiders, but they had some people down at ringside watching and kind of got involved in Drew McIntyre and mm-hmm. Matt Riddle after Viking Raiders slammed uh, <laughs> slammed uh, Xavier into them, and it led to Xavier getting knocked in the head with a damn uh, chair, and it led to Kofi getting pinned. All right, so with all that being said, the New Day versus the Viking Raiders. Pusher Berry. This was a really good match that crossed into the second hour. At the end of the day, you had to you needed the intervention of Riddle McIntyre towards the end to keep New Day strong in defeat. Overall, strong push bordering on big push. Yeah, I'm also giving this a push bordering on a big push simply because of the fact again, uh, you had to get, you know, in order to make the New Day look good and you know, make the Viking Raiders look like they took advantage of the situation. You had to have Drew and them get involved, but still keep Drew like a face and like be like, that was an accident. I was trying to hit so-and-so uh, and stuff like that. So I liked it, push. All right. The master, Chad Gable, was in action. He was taking on Ludwig Kaiser, uh, which was a really good matchup. How did you feel about it? Push or bury? Uh, DQ finish? Who'd have thunk it? Look. Good match, and this was a really good thing, but the DQ finish, a bit predictable. Big push, nevertheless, because until the finish, these guys were fucking awesome. Yeah, we'd have had a definitive winner by pinfall or submission. This was mega push all the way, but DQ finish drags it down to a big push because, yes, the match was really good. The finish was just, uh, but I understand doing that finish because of the fact that Gable is still technically considered the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship because he did beat uh, Walter, albeit by countout. So there you go. You got to have some kind of intrigue in there. Next up. Big Bronson Reed was in action. He took on Tommaso Ciampa in a one-on-one contest. How did you feel about this one? Push or bury? Good match, but what the fuck are we doing with Big Bad Bronson Reed here? He's losing a bit too much per the, per the usual with Ciampa and Reed. Really good match. Give it a good push. Push as well. I agree with Seth. Like, you know, Bronson Reed came in strong, 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 but he's not really maintaining that like he was like he was when he first came back. So I'm worried about that. Uh, of course, then we will have our main event on uh, Falls Count Anywhere between Becky Lynch and Zoe Stark, uh, which saw them go all over the place. But it ended with a manhandle slam through a table with Zoe Stark getting pinned by Becky Lynch. And then the emotional scene afterwards of Becky Lynch holding up the band with Bray's name on it and breaking down into tears. Uh, she had a very close relationship with Bray uh, and everything like that. So Pusha Berry, our main event, Becky Lynch versus Zoe Stark. A uh, good main event that honestly did a great job in showcasing both women. Having Tiffany Stratton in the audience scouting Becks, good job as well. Good thing to throw things into place for a second-tier pay-per-view. Give this a big push. Yeah, I'm also I'm also on big pushes big push as well. I'm on big push as well. Um I really enjoyed the action. Of course Trish got you know kept getting involved because there's no disqualification, so of course she's gonna get involved. She's gonna be facing her in a cage match. But no matter how much Trish got involved, Bex would overcome it. And then I think the added thing of, you know, her you know Letting her mo- bearing her emotions over the loss of her friend, I think was a very, very fitting 
fitting way to close out the show because again you know all the tributes and everything for for bray this past week have been absolutely amazing all right good chance let's talk i'll get yes. about real quick i'll be right back hold on okay okay cool so really quickly I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk through the grades for Bleacher Report, but then when Sif gets back, I'll repeat the grades so that he can give his thoughts on them as well. But these were the, the grades on Bleacher Report for uh, Monday Night Raw. These grades come to us from Doc Chris Mueller, and he gave the match uh, between Damian Priest and Sami Zayn. He gave that a B plus. Some of his notable moments included that he said it was a little weird that Owens and the rest of the Judgment Day were not at ringside, uh, but it meant there was no interference, so that was a good thing and that he he feels that Sami Zayn's springboard moonsault is a thing of beauty. Uh, the New Day versus the Viking Raiders, he gave that a B minus. One of the things uh, he talked about was, you know, saying you know that Kingston and, and Woods wore armbands that said Bray and things like that. And the way, and he also commented on the way that McIntyre hit Woods face in the uh, face, hit Woods in the face with the office chair, which was 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 very much nuts. Which I agree, like that was a nuts thing. All right, Seth, you're back. Yep, we good. All right, here are the grades. All right, here are the grades. They're from Doc Chris Miller. Oh. I was already on. Doc! I was already getting. So here we go. Sami Zayn versus uh, Sami Zayn versus Damian Priest got a B. I agree, B. The New Day versus the Viking Raiders got a B minus. Uh B. Chad Gable versus Ludwig Kaiser got a B plus. I agree, B plus. Bronson Reed versus Tommaso Ciampa. That got a C plus. I agree. C plus. That's on it this week. Becky Lynch versus Zoe Stark. That got a B plus. I agree. Oh, by the way, before we get to the final word from Doc Chris, honorable mention, the Miz's interpretation of L.A. Knight in that promo was absolutely that amazing. Was cold. That, out there. that was fucking I thought, wild. I thought that was, it was great. I thought that was, that was really good. I really <sighs> liked that one. Uh, that's why I had to put it as honorable mention. I would give that oh, a big definitely. push because of how good that was. All right. The final word from Doc Chris is as follows, quote, this was the go-home episode of Raw Before Payback, so we all knew it would be full of video packages and interviews, but this edition was a little disingenuous. Ooh, shit. Only mm -hmm. having five real matches on a three-hour show not only feels like, like a waste of the audience's time for those watching at home, but it also feels like a waste of money for those who paid to see an entire episode of Raw matches. The Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk tributes were touching, and a few of the matches did stand out for their quality, but almost every bout ended with some kind of interference or shenanigans. It might not be the worst episode of Raw we have seen, but it was one of the weaker ones in recent memory. End quote. He gave the entire episode a C. For a show that was a go-home for a pay-per-view, Raw was really shockingly average in a lot of areas. I get to name the tributes to Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk. Let, let's get that out of the way. Those were definitely needed, and I love them. That said, even without the tributes, he stood up with a very average Raw, and that's disappointing going into a pay-per-view, even though Payback isn't one of your top five pay-per-views. Seek out the main event, 
uh, Gable versus Bartel in the Rollins segment, promo segment, as well as Mrs. promo as well. But only five matches in a three-hour show is inexcusable. Raw this week gets a C, not the worst episode of Raw, but a major disappointment for go-home standards. Yeah, I mean, you, you when you have a go-home show, you expect it to advance storylines of whatever matches are going on there. And mostly the advancement did come with the Seth Rollins prom, uh, segment where he got attacked by Shinsuke Nakamura. Miz uh, mocking L.A. Knight and then cutting his promo. And, of course, Becky Lynch versus Zoe Stark in the main event with Trish getting involved at every turn, as well as, you know, Sammy and KO and the, and the Judgment Day. But I, it did feel like really disjointed and really, really didn't feel like it was doing what it was supposed to do to get us hyped up for their pay-per-view. But then again, this is a very low-level pay-per-view, so you know they treat it like they treat it as such. All right, anyway, let's talk about NXT. Week NXT, uh, we start off with a cage match with the Creed brothers taking on the Dyad. With if the Creed brothers win, they will be reinstated into NXT. Uh, Sith, what did you think about this cage match? Push or bury? Okay, the Creeds continue to show their insane strength and agility. Props to the Dyad for continuing not to phone it in with one of their feet already out the door, if you will. This match was a complete blast and a solid way to open up NXT. Give it a big push bordering on a mega push. When Okay, so when... When Brutus got jumped and carried out the, the, the uh, out of the arena, I thought, okay, it's going to be one of those, huh? But then he made his way back, bulled over everybody, and then ripped the door off like he was fucking king in 1997, right? Yes. Rips the door off, gets in there, they go buck wild, and they win, right? They win. I give this a big push bordering on a mega push as well, just off the straight for the fact that Brutus just came in and ripped the door off his fucking hinges to get in the ring yes. to help his brother, and they win. The match itself isn't memorable, but it wasn't bad. But just that right there, him ripping the door off after he got carried out of the arena, jump, and to come back to help his brother is just enough for me to give this a big push. Yeah. Period. All right, so what I decided to do here in the interest of time and fairness, I decided to combine both matches, both Global Heritage Invitational Tournament matches into one. So we had, we of course had it, one matchup was Butch or Pete Dunne taking on Charlie Dempsey, uh, which was Group A. And then we had uh, our Group B matchup, which was... Hang on, I'm, I'm getting it. Our group B matchup, which was Nathan Frazier versus Joe Coffey. Sif, uh-huh. take both of those matches and tell me, push or bury our first two Global Heritage Tournament Invitational matches. Both matches were too damn short, and these matches should have been in British rounds and not individual matches. That said, Dempsey had his best match in NXT US easily. Uh, the crowd at the Capitol Wrestling Center so uh, saw what Joe Coffee is made of as well as Frazier when they worked together as Coffee was basically in the managerial role or sidekick with the Tony D. Prison story. Give this all 
a big push bordering, I mean, excuse me, push bordering on big push. Jam? Yeah, I got to agree that if you're going to have someone win this tournament to become number one contender for the Heritage Cup, these matches need to be contested under Heritage Cup rules. It just makes no yeah. sense to have tw a 12-minute time limit regular singles match with a one fall to a finish when they're going for a championship that is under British rule, like British uh, heritage rules where you're having three, like, like six, three minute rounds. Um, but at the, at the same time, I guess they, I guess they feel that having to do that every week with every match would probably wear thin on people. So that's probably why they're doing the whole, you know, one match, 12 minutes, one yeah. fall to a finish type of thing. Cause they feel like that would wear on people, which I could, I could see that, but I'm giving it a push as well. All right. Cool. Dana Brooke and Kaylani Jordan were in action. They took on the team of Electra Lopez and Lola Vice. Pusher Berry. God damn it. A lot of fucking green in this match, but with Jordan Lopez and Vice, a lot of potential that needs to be untapped. Lola Vice kicks, they keep getting better and better, so there's that. I'm giving this a very small push that borders on leaving it where it is. This just, Lord, a lot of fucking green. This was hard to watch. Champ. I'm just going to leave it where it is. They did the best that they could with what they had, but clearly there's more work that needs to be done. Not with uh, Dana Brooke. We know Dana Brooke has been in at this a long time, yep. so she's the veteran here. But clearly, you know, Lopez and Vice and even Jordan all need some more work to be able to work on what they got to do. I think that they get more work in. This will be a much better tag match, but I'm leaving it where it is just to be, on, just to be fair. Uh, yeah. All right. Jack and Eddie Thorpe finally got finally made acquaintances inside the ring. What did you think about their encounter, Sith Pusher Barry? I am Jack. You aren't Lance Archer or Deep Kid. You're not going to get spotted in these pre ambush attacks. They do it way better, pal. They could spot your ass a mile away. Whereas Lance Archer, Deep Kid, oh, they don't know what they're doing. Good preview match, though. Torp has a lot of upside. Give it a push. Push it. I give it a push as well, honestly. Like, I think that <laughs> this is the start of what is going to be a very strong rivalry between these two. Of course, Dijak did uh, use an unfair tactic of hitting him with a belt on his fist, wrapping a belt around his fist and hitting him, leading to that <laughs> spinning uh, boot, spinning big boot for the yep. victory. So this is not over between these two. At any point, so they're gonna keep they're gonna keep this going. I think it's gonna get better and better. All right, our main event would see uh, the women getting their chance to try to become number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship. It would be Roxanne Perez, Blair Davenport, Gigi Dolan, and Kiana James Sith. Push or bury our NXT main event for this week. Solid main event. And honestly, Kiana James is underrated. So even though she's a heel, heel versus heel with Stratton should be really good. Perez, Dolan, uh, Dolan and Davenport all look good as well. Give it a big push. I agree. Big push as well. Like the match is really good. Um, you know that you know, 
a lot of the women in here are very, very skilled at what they do. Gigi Dolan's mm-hmm. been doing this for a long time. Roxanne's been doing this for quite a while. Blair Davenport's been doing this very well, a very long time. And Kiana Jane's the only one that's kind of new to this game, but she's taken on this game with such yeah. uh, like so well and so fast, and she's been doing very well. And for her to get the rub and get the chance to challenge for the championship, I think is really, really awesome. Uh, and I can't wait to see the the, the promos because they're both arrogant bitches. So I can't wait for that those promo segments. Hopefully they'll yes. be really good because I think I think Kiana James can carry herself well on the stick. Tiffany Stratton also can carry her well on the stick. So I think they could they could balance each other out. Honestly, honestly, possibly right. we'll see. The Grays, courtesy of Kevin Burge from Bleacher Reports. Our steel cage match to open the show between the Creed Brothers and the Dyad got an A. A minus. If not for the ending, it would have gotten an A. The Global Heritage Invitational, Pete Dunn versus Charlie Dempsey, got a B minus. I agree, B minus. The other match was just a bit better. Ilya Dragunov faces new challenge, and Aura Mensa got a C plus. Look, Aura Mensa, you know this well. You don't want this smoke, man. Give it a B minus. All right. Next up, Brooke Dana Brooke and Kaylani Jordan versus Electra Lopez and Lola Vice got a C minus. I give it a D plus. Oh my god. Ooh. Dijak. Dijak versus Eddie Thorpe got a B minus. I agree, B minus. The Global Heritage Invitational, Nathan Frazier versus Joe Coffey got a B. I like this. B. Uh, I like I like the grade of B. What do you think, Sif? Yeah. Okay, we're doing Frazier Coffey. Yes. Uh, B. Yeah, yes. good great. B. And then our number one contenders match, Roxanne Perez versus Blair Davenport versus Gigi Dolan versus Kiana James got a B plus. I agree, B plus. And then his, the overall show from Kevin is as follows, quote, the Creed brothers and the diet started to show off hot and nothing else quite lived up to that energy. However, there were no real down moments on a night that delivered when it mattered. The main event was a solid showcase for the top women in NXT, especially Roxanne Perez, Kiana James, Roxanne Perez. Kiana James earned the biggest opportunity of her career, setting the stage for a make or break moment next week. The Global Heritage Invitational started off solid, though the matches were too short for the talent involved. This is a chance to bet on the talent to perform. Hopefully that will come in bouts like Pete Dunn versus Tyler Bate and Nathan Frazier versus Akira Tozawa. The brand did not do much with the NXT Championship seed, but it looks like bigger things are coming next week when it comes to Trick Williams and Ilya Dragunov. Wesley may also be still be still in the mix. The NXT product is solid at the moment, while the biggest stars were mostly backstage. A strong series of matches made up for that. In quote, his overall grade was a B minus. NXT this this week was a case of being bookended by two great matches. Having some good promos and some good matches and only two low points this week. The women's tag team match and Von Wagner's nails on a chalkboard promo. HBK books the women a lot better than Tony Khan does, to say the least. 
Oh, and it's good to have the Global Heritage Invitational, although it would be better if it was British Rounds, but I get the reasoning, though. Overall, this was a good episode of NXT that is a step above average as NXT gets a B-minus this week. It's sad when a go-home for a pay-per-view has a lower grade than NXT. But we've always noticed that NXT used to outperform main roster pay-per-views on the same weekend. Now, now it's I mean, outperforming why? a weekly fucking show. Yeah, so that that's fucking crazy to me. Anyway, <laughs> all right, let's quickly pivot to Dynamite, and we open the night up with Commander in action as he took on the ever dangerous John Moxley. Push or bury, Sith. Solid opening match, and I will here. I will decry about what I do out of WWE here. No reason for 50-50 booking at all. Mox looks strong enough going through all out, and you have to wonder: Could Moxley win the AEW International Championship? Give it a push. Yeah, definitely give it a push. I agree as well. Like Mox really made you made it look like he could potentially be the one to end the the very dominant reign of Orange Cassidy and start a new ter- reign of terror as international champion. Alright, we we had a segment that involved Chris Jericho who had a chat with Sammy Guevara that ended up with them wanting, to, like, with him wanting to reunite the six gods to try to go for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Push or bury Chris Jericho's promo segment. Okay, so hardly any mention of the callous stuff, but you get the feeling that Jericho... Is really being a sniveling snake, which is fine. You have Guevara thinking, well, okay, let's go chase gold for now. Push bordering on big push. Yeah, I'm definitely pushing this one as well. The tension you could tell, but then the tension went away, and we're going to get the sex gods, and we'll talk about what they might be doing next. Later on, we talk about Rampage, so stay tuned for that. Next. Eddie Kingston having a defense of the strong yeah. openweight championship on AEW, defending it against Wheeler Yuta, Pusher Barry. This was a great match here for the strong New Japan Pro Wrestling strong openweight championship. As Eddie Kingston rightfully is taking this title run seriously. Here, here Wheeler Yuta had an absolute banger. Big push, bordering on mega push. I agree. Big push as well. A really solid matchup. And I mean, Eddie Kingston is just really proven to be such a really good, strong openweight champion so far, even though this was his first official defense of that championship, seeing as though he had won it prior to the start of the G1 Climax. So he didn't get a chance to defend it any time before or after any time before that. So uh, his first defense of successful one. All right. We had ourselves our lone women's match. It was a, a trios matchup. Chris Statlander, Hikaru Shida, and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. This is prior to them teaming up to take on the Outcasts on Collision. They took on the team of Nyla Rose, Marina mm-hmm. Shafir, and Emi Sakura. This is the first time I've seen Emi Sakura on, on AEW TV since before Dark and Dark Elevation went bye-bye. Uh, what did you think about this one? Push a berry. Eh. It was decent, but for a you know for a women's trios match, this was just random old Tony Khan booking here for the most part. Sheeta and Baker showing some dissension is good, but overall, skip it a push. 
Yeah, I'm giving it a push as well. But Sith, I know you said you had this stat for your final thoughts, but why don't we play this and you give us a preview of that stat right here, right now? Let's fucking go. Okay. Now I need to go deeper into my notes here because I think I wrote it down. You know, I didn't, but I'll pull it up real quick. I can do that easily enough. Give me a second because we're going to get this done. Because you know what? This is abysmal. Give me a minute, champ. Because I got the stat. My final thoughts. I got it. I got it. So that women's trios match yeah. from tell them how this long win- this wins this past Wednesday's AEW Dynamite, oh, 10 minute- seven minutes and thirty one seconds, seven minutes yeah. and thirty one seconds, only a minute and nineteen seconds shorter than the fatal four way for the AEW Women's World Championship. Seven thirty one yep. for six women on a two hour show. And that's why Sid's going to go off on the, on them in his final thoughts later on. But that's your stat yeah. of the day, ladies and gentlemen. I mean to steal your thunder, Sid, but I, I, we talked about the match. And I feel I felt we needed yeah, to at least and bring we talked that up. about it in the group chat. I should have gone into the group chat. But I yeah. feel like that part of Major League, one hit, all we got was one goddamn hit. You Bob can't say goddamn on the radio. Oh, who Man, cares? No Nobody's no listening. No one's listening. Right, yeah. Bobby is such a fucking legend. <laughs> He's such a fucking legend. Anyway, all right. Our main event was for the International Championship. Arns Cassidy going for his 31st successful defense of that championship against Penta El Zero Miedo with the winner going on to face John Moxley. Push or bury our main event? I give this a big push. Solid main event between the two guys who would face Orange Cassidy Sunday night. We needed this match as this was the lackadaisical Orange Cassidy, which is the luchador. Pinta El Zero Miedo, really good shit here. And then Moxley versus Orange Cassidy could be a sleeper tomorrow night. But I wonder, could this be the end of Orange Cassidy? If so, further up the card, please and thank you. Big push. I'm also giving it a big push, not only because of the match quality, but the fact that Orange Cassidy actually showed some form of emotion yes. in a promo. Like, he rarely gets on and does a promo, but he did a really major league promo at the end of this, which really surprised me, but it was really well done, so I give it a big push. All yeah. right. Eric Beast in the police report. That at the press scrum, video scrum after all in, he... Showed a little bit of emotion, a little bit of character, but not a lot. You got to see a little bit more here as well. That was awesome. Right. All right. So now Eric Beast in the Bleach Report provides the grades for this week's Dynamite. Uh, Dynamite. Here we go. Commander versus John Moxley gets a C. Uh, B minus. It was a bit better than that. All right, he has both the Tony Storm and Chris Jericho promos. Okay. Of course, we saw uh, Renee Paquette talking with Tony Storm, which was pretty funny. <laughs> and then Chris Jericho's promo in the in the in ring. B. My better half would love Tony Storm being an unhinged Marilyn Monroe, 
that got a big a B plus. Uh, Jericho Guevara gave that a B. All right, the strong openweight championship match between Eddie Kingston and Wheeler Yuta, that got to be. A minus. Bruh. Adam Cole promo. He did do a promo. B. B plus. I get the feel that Cole is going to turn heel at some point, but B plus. The women's trios match that only got less than eight minutes got a C plus. I agree, C plus. Very depressing. The acclaims ribbon cutting segment got a D. I give it a C plus. I, know, I... I know mm-hmm. we're It's a C bordering on C plus. We've seen way better out of the acclaimed, but D I thought was a little too harsh. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Maybe it's and in our main event, main event AEW International Championship match, Orange Cassie versus Penta El Zero Miro got a B plus. B plus, absolutely. All right, and then his old. Overall, grade is as follows. Quote, AEW had his work cut out Wednesday night, not only to follow up a mon- monumental night of action at All In, but also to quickly book to quickly booking a card for All Out pay-per-view that already felt like an afterthought. The results were varied. The company announced matches for Sunday, but never really made the pay-per-view feel like destination viewing. On paper, the card has a few obvious highlights. Kitty Omega versus Kenosuke Takeshita, for example but lacks the sense of urgency that AEW pay-per-views typically leave. Of course, there were several factors that adversely affected Wednesday's show, but it may be worth rethinking the idea of holding a pay-per-view one week after an exhausting show in London next year. The main event of this week's Dynamite was strong. We saw a physical outing from Eddie Kingston and Wheeler Yuta, and there was some actual storyline development in the women's division. So this one gets a solid grade, if nothing else, In quote. His final grade was a B. Okay, this match, this show, had the issue of giving us the fallout from all in and the go home to all out. There were things that were good and things that were just fucking there. The women's trios match felt like filler. And it was only a minute and 19 seconds shorter than the lone women's match at all in. You know, this was a good episode of Dynamite that had a difficult task, but I can't say that it worked overall because if you ask me, did this make me want to buy all out tomorrow night? No, but I'll watch Payback tonight on Peacock without a problem. AEW Dynamite gets a B this week, but this card has a lot to work through at the end of the day. Note to Tony Khan, I get the ambition, back-to-back bank holiday weekends, but you may have bitten off just a little bit more than you can chew. 
I think that this dynamite was snake bitten by the fact that a lot of the performers who live in Florida got caught by the hurricane mm-hmm. and couldn't get out of Florida yep. to get to Chicago. There were those issues. There were also uh, Tony Khan being again like yeah we rag on him for his managing style, but he allowed a lot of wrestlers who were close mm-hmm. to Bray Wyatt to take the, to not be at Dynamite to be at Bray's funeral service, which was on Wednesday. So uh, that kind of had them a little bit snake bit and then also it has been it has been proven that having back-to-back pay-per-views on back-to-back weeks and then having to have your broadcast tv in between those doesn't really work out it didn't work out for wwe when they had survived that SummerSlam and then payback right after that um because of the fact that you had raw and smackdown that were both go homes and fallouts, mm-hmm. right? And it just yep. didn't work out that way. And then it was even worse was in the Thunderdome. Like it wasn't like they it wasn't like they had to go travel overseas, do a big show, travel back over here, mm-hmm. then get back in, in the to the form of we got to get ready for TV and all this other stuff. The, you know, they didn't have that luxury. They were inside of an enclosed space that was warning all like that was keeping COVID from coming in, which they didn't do yeah. tomorrow, by the way. But this one right this right here was like this right here, I think Tony's again, I said this during our preview. This is a litmus test for them. If all out flops, I think they're gonna reconsider having all out the very le- next week after all in. They may start they may do it two weeks after or they – whatever, something. But yeah. they cannot do back-to-back. If this flops, they cannot try this again because if they try it again, it'll probably flop again, and then they're going to have to rethink it, period. Yep. All right, impact time. Impact. And, again, no grades for impact wrestling, but we will still talk about it. So, first and foremost, we had an opening match that was a number one contenders match to determine who would be next to challenge Trinity for the Knockouts World Championship at Victory Road. And it was won by none none other than Alicia Edwards? What? Anyway, Push or or Barry our opening battle royal. Yeah, intriguing way to open up Impact, and even more intriguing is this idea that Alicia Edwards, who stayed out of the fray for a bulk of the Battle Royal, is now the number one contender to Trinity now. All in all, though, good Battle Royal. Give it a push, but I don't think anyone buys Alicia Edwards beating Trinity. Yeah, you know, Alicia is a heel, so she used heel tactics of rolling underneath the ropes and hiding. When it came down to the last two, a Jody Threat and Kylan King, she came in and eliminated both of them, and she is now the number one contender, but she is definitely fodder to the women's champion, Trinity. There's no way in hell she is about to become the new Knockouts World Champion. If she does, I will cancel my uh, what you call, I will cancel my YouTube subscription to Impact and stop watching them. I swear to God I will. Anyway. Yeah. Next up, Eric Young's continued war with the design raged on as he took on the big man Khan this week. Pusha Berry. Uh, Fascinating matches. Both guys kicked out of each other's finishers and both look good as the story continues of Eric Young versus design. Push bordering on Big Push. Yeah, this definitely gets a push. It took two pile drivers from uh, Eric Young to put down the big man Khan, but he was able to do it. Mm-hmm. And so 
this was most likely going to continue on and, and things like that. So let him let him go. Yep. Uh, next up, a preview, uh, somewhat of a preview of the victory road matchup that was made between uh, the Rascals and the Motor City Machine Guns for the Impact World Taxi Championships. We saw Chris Saban in action against Zachary Wentz, Pusha Berry. Why wasn't this the main event? This was a fun match that delivered majorly here. Wentz and Saban had a great match. And so what if Alex Shelley helped in disposing of Trey Miguel? It was what it was. Big push. Yeah, I got to go big push as well. And also ask the same question Sif said, asked, which is why was this not the main event? But I get why it wasn't, yeah. but it is what it is. But it was really good. It was really good. And I think it deserved to be a little bit more down the card than uh, where it was. But either way, it was what it was. Mm-hmm. All right. There was a promo segment that took place on this show that set up a match for the pre-show for Victory Road between Kenny King and Tommy Dreamer. Push or bury this promo segment? I have the feeling that Tommy is doing title versus career. And to get this into a part where he takes a step back into producing and creative again, as well as his co-hosting duties on Busted Open Radio and his House of Hardcore promotion when that's running. Very emotional promo. It delivered the first mega push this week. Yeah, I... Just the emotions and everything that Dreamer said in this promo... It's obvious. I agree with Sith that this is going to be my first mega push of the week. I I about choked up a little bit listening to Tommy speak. Yeah. I I about choked up because he had really he really put it all out there, you know, talking about his mom dying. Him being diagnosed with skin cancer, I mean, I about choked up. But I'm, I, you know, yeah. I think it is time for 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 him to kind of go into the background, which is why this kind of matchup of title versus career, I think, is good because then he can go out on his back, like you know, typically what pro wrestlers do when they're getting ready to retire. And I think that's that's gonna be that's gonna be it. All right, our our main event is a six-man tag that would see Frankie Kazaria team with Jake Something and the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Sonata to take on Eddie Edwards, Moose, and Brian Myers. Sith, push, or bury our main event. Uh, good main event, six-man tag here. Had something for everyone. Had a really good story, good chemistry with the teams. An overall definite banger. Give it a big push. I'm giving it a push bordering on a big push it was really it was good i just you know it just didn't excite me it was just weird that jake something and sonata went at at it the night before they filmed this they recorded they filmed this and now they're on the same team like it's like the match had no rhyme or reason to it except that they it was just there and it ended up being the main event and the heels ended up taking it on the chin and the and and what even was even more funny was while they're raising the hands of Jake something and Frankie Kazaria, Sonata's just staring out in the crowd and shit. And it's like, he just looks genuinely confused. It's like, hey, Sonata, over here, right? Get your hand raised. You know how yeah. it works. 
you do it all the time in New Japan. What are you doing? It just was very confusing. So uh, push for me, bordering on a big push. It almost got there. So, And then they also announced before this match that next week that you're going to see Deanna Perrazzo in action against Danny Luna. Subculture taking on uh, Sammy Callahan and Rich Swan. Mm-hmm. Uh, to determine number, the next contenders for the Impact World Tag Team titles. Leo Rush is going to take on Kevin Knight. And Josh Alexander teaming with PCO to take on Bully Ray and Steve Macklin. That should be a fun. That should be fun. I know what else is going to be fun. That 1,000th episode of Impact looks fucking lit. It does. And I gave this episode a B. You need to seek out the main event, Saban Wentz, and the Tommy Dreamer, Kenny King segment. You won't be sorry, but a good job of getting out of emergence, heading towards Victory Road. Yeah. But no, I cannot wait for that 1,000th episode. Oh, my Team God. 3, Team 3D is going to be there wrestling. I got a message from Sage on Instagram that America's Most Wanted is going to be there. Oh, that God. 10, that 10 knockout tag match with one side, Kong, Awesome Kong and Gail Kim on the same team. I mean, fuck, <laughs> oh I mean, fuck fucking hell. And it's, and then uh, Alex Shelley defending the title, uh, defending the world title on network TV, dude, dude, must see TV, and we get to watch it commercial free on YouTube. Yep. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's talk about SmackDown for us before before a spell here. The show opened up with John Cena making his first of numerous appearances uh, on the show, but he will be interrupted by John by Jimmy Uso, who has new music and everything. But the big line in this one was that John Cena told Jimmy the wrong Uso quit before hitting him with an attitude oh. adjustment. Push yes. or bury our opening segment. John Cena is back. Okay, so this was the worst kept secret this week in pro wrestling, but having Cena back boosts things up. Where the bloodline is kind of in the background for now, and that's a good thing. Jimmy Uso and Cena had a really good segment together. I hope we can get a program here. Big push bordering on Mega Push. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say, Sid, it wasn't a secret at all. They had been advertising him to be on SmackDown for weeks, so... It wasn't a, you can't say it's the worst kept secret when it wasn't even a secret. Like they let it be known he was coming. And they actually, I think, put out yep. on social media his schedule for the uh, appearances he was making. So not really much of a secret. I think it was well known. But besides the point, I'm also going to give this a big push as well. I love the interaction between Jimmy and John. Honestly, I, I agree. I hope there's a program that comes out of this one. But I think they're pivoting that program to that of him going after AJ Styles. So we'll see where they go with that. But for now, big push as well. Santos Escobar team with the United States champion Rey Mysterio. They took on Austin Theory and Grayson Walla. What do you think about this one? Push or Barry? Oh, good tag team matchup. But I know some people are upset that Escobar uh, took the pen here. But patience. The heel turn is coming. Could come as early as tonight. Could come next weekend. We don't know. Waller and Theory had good chemistry together, as did, you know, Mysterio and Escobar. I think Waller got the win here for his team. I thought Theory would, given his match against Ray tonight. Push, bordering on Big Push. 
Yeah, I'm giving it a push as well. Um, really nice matchup here. Very shocking that the win that Ray is on the losing side of things with, with uh, Escobar, Escobar getting pinned. That will add to his frustration, which will lead most likely to that heel turn happening either sooner rather than later or a little bit more down the road. So we'll see what mm -hmm. happens. All right. The Miz came out for a little segment to trash his uh, opponent on Saturday, L.A. Knight. But he had, but L.A. Knight, this is his show, so of course he's going to show up. And they had a very good back to, back and forth and change of words between the two of them. Push or bury the Miz L.A. Knight segment. These guys tore the house down, and honestly, the payoff tonight will be awesome. Love how L.A. Knight said that he was above Miz's level. And that Miz said that people can relate to L.A. Knight because they fail and settle for mediocrity. Oh, my God. That was wild. Give this a mega push. Um, I'm giving this a push, big push boarding on a mega push, very close to a mega push. It was really, really... I really enjoyed this. They had some really good lines in this one, which I thought were absolutely really good. Um, and it gets me excited for this matchup because they've been going back and forth, especially after Miz basically imitated L.A. Knight on Raw when he wasn't there. But then, you know, L.A. Knight was able to get the last word. And then at the end, he got hit with a skull crasher finale, but still got up and got his hands on Miz. So really has me excited for this one. But not yeah. not good enough for me to give it a mega push in my eyes i still think it's a big push shotzi was finally in action against bailey after the long weeks after she cut her hair and yeah. then she started stalking her they finally had their one-on-one -on -one matchup push or bury shotzi versus bailey um good thing was the match overall we're getting more character vibes from shotzi which is a good thing and she was and she worked well with one of the stalwarts of the women's division and bailey also good i guess we're back on again with the possible dissension between EO Sky and Bailey. Bad thing, Charlotte coming in towards the end. Here we fucking go again. Give it a push. I'm giving it a push as well. I really enjoyed the matchup. Uh, it's interesting that Charlotte seems to just get medals in everybody's business and shit. Like, just go away and go mind your own fucking business, please. Like, holy shit. I but love for. I'd love for Shotzi to go psycho, slap the shit over, and say, stand out of my business, bitch. Yeah, but of course she went after EO. Who's, well, EO tried to go after her with the championship, and that was like the weirdest big boot I've ever seen in my life. But it, yeah. led, to, uh, it led to Bailey being distracted and Shotzi getting the victory. Uh, now they're going to be in a tag team. It's going to be EO and Bailey versus uh, Charlotte and Shotzi next week. So Charlotte's now once again in the face of the world of a world championship. No surprise there. Anyway, and in our main event, AJ Styles, after getting attacked from behind by Solo Sokoa, took on Solo Sokoa, and thanks to a, a distraction from Jimmy Uso, led to AJ Styles' defeat. Push or bury our main event? Uh, good main event. Solo worked well with one of the generational greats, Betwise and AJ Styles. They had really good chemistry. Finish was weird as AJ was setting up for his finisher with solo on the other side of the ring but overall really really good and i get the feeling that jimmy and the bloodline won't be long term solid way to end the show though with some misdirection they give it a big push yeah big push as well for me i think that 
I agree. I think they're going to do a lot of, they're doing a big misdirect here with Jimmy suddenly wanting to embrace his brother and then his brother wanting to go after him, but Paul Heyman's telling him no and then saying to call Roman Reigns, you got to wonder what's going on with this. But it seems like, you know, every twi- every week there's a twist and turn with the bloodline that makes you be like, what's going to happen next? So I'm giving this a big push as well. All right, great. Courtesy of Bleacher Report. And it is coming from our from, coming from the one and the only Kevin Burge again. All right, Kevin, first all one. Right, cool. John Cena meets the new Jimmy Uso. That gotta be uh, a minus. Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar versus Austin Theory and Grayson Waller. Gotta be B. Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits warn WWE about their championship aspirations. That gotta be. I agree, B. They were looking clean as shit in them suits. They didn't were. They? Very dapper. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro. Got a D. F. Fuck this shit. Why can't we get local jobbers instead of feeding them to the NWO? Fuck off. L.A. Knight and The Miz both promised victory at Payback. This got an A. A plus. Bailey versus Shotzi. Got a C. C plus. AJ Styles versus Solo Sokoa. Got a B plus. B plus. And for his overall thoughts, quote, SmackDown is the most sports entertainment focused show on WWE's card. Wrestling is mostly an afterthought each week. It is all about the dramatic stories of the key stables. Obviously, the bloodline still lead the night whenever present. This was Jimmy Uso's show from start to finish, building his legacy as an individual star for the first time in his career. He got to work off John Cena and stand tall in the main event. This makes sense for the blue brand though it is decidedly bad booking if WWE wanted to hype payback as more than a filler premium live event. <laughs> SmackDown was at its best promoting bigger angles and stars than will, will play, that will play a central role on Saturday. The PLE was an afterthought beyond LA Knight and the Miz's heated verbal battle. This made for an exciting show that is focused on the long term over the short term. Cena will be around for seven more weeks, hopefully promoting the talent that will be around for years to come. Roman Reigns is not coming back soon, so shows like this are a necessity to grow the brand. <coughs> Excuse me. Even if this leads to low energy nights on the eve of a PLE, end quote, his overall grade was a C+. Okay, SmackDown wasn't too bad. The return of Cena, the developments in the Bloodline saga, LA Knight and Miz having their final face-off before their match, and the OC not getting involved to save AJ Styles as he wanted to stay out of the Bloodline drama, that was good. However, having Sammy and KO go through two members of the N- of the LWO instead of local jobbers, as well as Charlotte trying to stay in the title hunt, soured me a bit. Overall, though, a decent go-home show that was actually better than Raw's go-home. SmackDown gets a B-minus. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree there. All right, Rampage, ladies and gentlemen, really 
quickly rampage. We started off with that battle royal to determine number one contenders for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships who will get that shot at All Out. And it was won by the Dark Order. What did you think, Sif? Push or Barry? Uh, push bordering on Big Push. Standard Tag Team Battle Royale had a good purpose to it, good pacing, good work by all tag teams. I think having Dark Order win was a good thing, but I still think they're losing tomorrow. We shall see. Push as well. Uh, it, you know, it was great Dark Order won, but I think they're going to win tomorrow I mean, on Sunday. Uh, Nick Wayne was in action in Tag Team Action along with the AAA Mega Champion El Hijo de Vincenio taking on Chris Sabian and Gringo Loco. Push a berry. Uh, note to WWE and other promotions. This is how you showcase younger talent that will really get matched with them and vets. Vikingo was a good partner for Nick Wayne. Loco and Sabian looked good. Big push. Um, I it that that spring he was standing on the damn guard on the ring post, jumped off spring ball off the rope and draw kick Gringo right in the back pinpoint accuracy. That was insane. Yes. I'm giving us a push border on a on a big push. Uh. What about that segment after the tag team battle royale where Ozzy Open decided they were going to jump Chris Jericho and then he got saved by Sammy Guevara? Push or bury that? I give it a push. I get the feeling that Ozzy Open will eventually win their rematch and go after Jericho Guevara. I think that this is the start of the first feud for the Sex Gods is with Ozzy Open. I think it's going to be yes. a good feud, especially after uh, Jericho did get beat by uh, by their by their uh, stable leader Will Ospreay. Yes. Brian Keith, the Bounty Hunter, made his AEW debut against Hangman Adam Page. It was cowboy shit and then some. Push or Barry? Uh, good man, here. Even though one would expect Keith to be in the jobbing position, he got some good work in here. For the eventual outcome, give it a push. Yeah, definitely push. It was no, it was nowhere near a squash match. It was a very competitive, mm-hmm. though albeit short matchup, but definitely give it a push. And finally, our main event, Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue, who is from Chicago, by the way, uh, taking on Taya Valkyrie and Anna Jay. Push or bury our main event? A good main event. The hometown girl in Sky Blue got the W for her team. Taya and Anna Jay looked good as a team. As said, Willow and Sky give it a push yeah push as well definitely a push as well like really solid main event and sky blue getting the pinfall victory with her sky with her code blue in her hometown that's the one thing that wwe tends to lack where AEW succeeds in is making sure that hometown talent get the pinfall victories in their hometowns to get the big big pop all right doc yep. chris mueller with the grades for rampage this week doc the Ring of Honor Tag Team Battle Royale got a B minus. And let me scroll back up here. B. Nick Wayne and Vincenio versus Kip Sabian and Gringo Loco got a B plus. B plus. Brian Keith versus Ag- uh, Hangman Adam Page got a C plus. C plus, yes. And then Will Nightingale Sky Blue versus Valkyrie and Anna J got a B. I agree. B. And the final word from Doc Chris is as follows, quote, this week's Rampage had to be three things. It was the fallout show for All In, the go-home show for All Out, and it had to be its own contained episode of AEW Television 2. AEW managed to pack the usual four matches into the car while still acknowledging what happened last Sunday and doing a little table setting for the weekend. 
The Battle Royale was a good way to get the show going with some high energy action. Close and closing with the women's tag bout in the main event was also a good decision. Wayne and Vincenzo was an interesting combo we may or may not see again, but the guy that to keep an eye on is Keith. He was impressive in his showing against Paige, and since AEW gave him a pre-match video, it's possible the company is considering hiring him. This weekend is going to be busy with AEW All Out and WWE Payback, but it should be a lot of fun for wrestling fans of all ages. And quote, his final grade was a B minus. Okay, Rampage is in the same trap that Dynamite was in Wednesday night and what Collision will be tonight. Trying to type the loose ends from all and bring things in for All Out and be a show of its own. This was a good run-of-the-mill episode of Rampage where the matches were good as well as the promo work from Mike Santana, although QTV can just get the fuck out. I'm sick of that shit. Rampage gets a B-. minus. Good job. Yep, and that is it for your week in review for this week. Remember, we're not doing collision because that is going to be out before we even hit this. This gets into the can, so uh, no collision. But next week, when we move to our, our new night of Sunday night's recording, you will get collision pusher berry with both myself and the Sith Lord. Yay! Yeah. But now it's time for final thoughts and part of the uh, podcast where we talk about things either wrestling related or non wrestling related, and we plug whatever podcast we have upcoming so of course we start off with the dark lord sif with his thoughts so sif take it away okay so i know that champ and i have beaten this like a dead horse but deep down this has to be said yet again coming off the hands of a really superb pay-per-view note to tony khan you can't keep having the subpar booking of the women's division over and over again where it comes to weekly programming and pay-per-view look on the all-in pay-per-view, which was an international event in London, of the 11 matches on both the zero-hour pre-show and the main card combined, only one women's match was made available at all, and it lasted all but 8 minutes and 50 seconds. Stopgap, a six-hour program when you throw in two hours for a pre-show, and close to four hours on the main card. And women only get eight minutes and 50 seconds of match time on this card. That nearly went six goddamn hours. Enough is enough, Tony. And this needs to be discussed seriously. Because it appears all you're fucking worried about is being Booker of the Year for the readers of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. And not enhancing parts of your product. Get this. I know that with the injury to Jamie Hayter, it derailed the program between the AEW Originals and the Outcasts. I get that totally. But here's the main issue, though. Aside from that program, you didn't have anything else mapped out for your women's division at all. You had some programs for Ring of Honor TV and the pay-per-views there, but AEW? Nope. Oh, I'm sorry to these fucking marks that read The Observer. I have to count that Julia Hart saw action in the trios match and tokenized that, or that Mercedes Monet was in the audience. But guess what? That's not good enough for most fans of pro wrestling in this day and age. WWE has two women's matches on the card for payback tonight. And that's sad, you know, given that payback isn't even a major pay-per-view. It's second tier. And yet... 
WWE currently has a steel cage match as well as a WWE Women World's Championship match. This is a pay-per-view that might, might stretch out to three and a half hours tops at the end of the day. But yet, AW can't manage that for an historic pay-per-view though. Just one match and call it a day because the booker can't get his creative team on the ball to do more. Impact Emergence had two women's matches on the card, and both were longer than the sole women's match at All In, for Pete's sake. The main event between Trinity and Deanna Peraza went 15 minutes, 44 seconds, and the four-way women's tag team championship went 9 minutes, 7 seconds. Yet AEW women are lucky to see 10 minutes on TV, much less pay-per-view, absolutely inexcusable. All In was a great pay-per-view, and what kept it from that rare A-plus grade was simple. Lack of use of women and bad camera views at times. Shit, the match that followed the women's match was the fucking coffin match, and that was 16 minutes long. About a minute 40 shy of double the time of the women's match. Oh, but Seth, Julia Hart saw some action in the trios match. And that went 10 minutes, 50 seconds, but new flash, new flash though. She was the manager for the House of Black, not actually competing in the actual match, except for a few short moments. Really, there needs to be more use for women in AEW and not just tokenization at the end of the day. Oh, but their main eventing Rampage and Dynamite for about 10 minutes. Yeah, if that at times, bottom line. AEW had a fantastic pay-per-view in London, but the lack of involvement of women is still a very glaring point. Tony Khan and his creative people need to get on the ball before people start comparing AEW's women's division to WWE pre-women's revolution with the four horsewomen. And that, my friends, is my final thought. Tomorrow on Spotify. I have seen Oppenheimer as well as following. So I'm going to revisit Quentin Tarantino, David Frenchner, and Christopher Nolan, worst to first. That sits basement tomorrow on Spotify. That said, champ, I yield the floor. Last year's All Out was an amazing event that saw a lot of things happen. But the only thing people talk about when it comes to that event was the media scrum afterwards where CM Punk went scorched earth on people in backstage right next to his boss before getting into a reported fight backstage with the same people who he named in that media scrum. Well, most of them. He went away for a while. There was speculation he was going to come back after his injury. He came back. They put him on collision. They make him the face of collision. They keep him away from the Bucks, from Hangman, from Kenny. And he goes on the collision. It's like, okay, everything's fine. You know, he's still controversial, but everything's fine. Everything's good. He's away from everything, all that stuff. Then there are reports that he nicks an idea for Jungle Boy Jack Perry about bruising real glass. He sends Christopher Daniels, who was an executive, and Ryan Nemeth home. We don't need you. Go on home. Like he's the like he's the in charge of that kind of thing. But then all in happens. All in had 81,035 fans in attendance with 
probably 200,000 buys on pay-per-view. And before the show could even get on going, the main part of the show go, CM Punk decides to confront Jack Perry because Jack Perry said in a camera, this is real glass, cry me a river. And CM Punk couldn't take the fact that someone took a shot at him and decided to get into the the, the quote-unquote young punk's face to confront him about that. He almost ruined the whole flow of the pay-per-view in which he was supposed to open because he his ego was so bruised that he had to go and get into Jungle Boy's face. Why? CM Punk is nothing more than a cancer. He cannot let his ego get the he lets his ego get the best of him. And in this case, it almost ruined it's overshadowed what was considered the biggest professional wrestling event in the history of professional wrestling. If not well, one of the biggest in the history of professional wrestling, but one of the, the biggest in terms of modern professional wrestling. 81,000 plus were there to see the stars of AEW perform. But no one in the news cycle is talking about that. You know why? Because CM Punk once again goes scorched earth backstage and causes a problem and got himself suspended. So now his hometown doesn't even get to see him in their hometown on pay-per-view. Because once again, he let his ego get bruised. And instead of just being an adult and being like, you know what? I'm just going to let this slide. Instead, he just goes out and lets his bruised egos do the talking for him. And then there are reports that he snapped at Tony Khan. He even threatened, said Tony Khan that he was quitting, all this stuff. Tony Khan, I know that you have all this admiration for CM Punk. He's bringing in a lot of money and merchandise, all this other stuff. He's the face of your Saturday night show. Fuck that. Fuck that. He's got to go. And he's got to go yesterday. Because if not, you are going to alienate your locker room. You are going to cause a mutiny in your locker room because people are not going to stand idly by and watch one man continue to go scorch earth because his ego gets bruised. CM Punk's own opponent, Samoa Joe, had to break things up along with other people that were back there. And this is right before they had to go out to have a match. CM Punk couldn't even keep it together long enough to just go out and have a match and maybe address it later. He had to address it right then and there when he was getting ready to go out for a match. That's how badly he is when his ego gets bruised. You're going, you have a match. You're opening up one of the biggest pay-per-views and one of the biggest wrestling events of all time. But yet you felt some type of way because of something Jack Perry said during his match on the Zero Hour. Make it make sense to me because it doesn't make sense to me that you would do that. That's what I don't get, understand. You're getting ready for a match. You should be in the zone focus, getting ready for your match. But instead, you hear it's real glass, crime your river. And instead of just stay, being like, you know what? I'll talk to him later about that. No, you got to get in his face right then and there, right before you have a match and almost ruin the match flow and the match uh, order because you wanted to get you, your, your bruised ego talk, spoke for you. I don't get it. I don't fucking get it. I don't want to get it anymore. I think it needs to end. Tony Khan needs to cut his losses. Cut his losses. Take the L and get this man out of your locker room because otherwise you are going to alienate that locker room. That locker room is not going to want to work for you anymore and you're not going to be able to bring in other talents because they're not going to want to work with this man. They're not. 
Cut your losses, Tony, and just take it on the chin and move on. Otherwise, AEW is not going to see 10 years. They're going to be lucky if they even see five or six if they continue to allow this man to be in the locker room and act this way when his ego gets bruised. That's it. That's all. Cut your losses and move on. And that is my final thought. Yes, that's right. Sports on the Hill podcast returns next week uh, where we will be talking about the opening uh, game of the NFL's regular season for the Washington Commanders against the Arizona Cardinals. It will be myself uh, as part of that panel. I don't know who else will be a part of that panel, but that will be coming up next week on September the 11th. So make sure you check that out by checking out twitch.tv slash Robbie G underscore sports o-t-h-p or make sure you check out spotify or wherever you get your podcast from for the audio version of said podcast right yes this happens tonight i'm not gonna be happy tyrus is reportedly backstage for payback (laughs) look at my man right here (laughs) but why <laughs> why? But why? <laughs> That's what I'd like to know. I mean, he just had to retire from the NWA. But what? Uh, no, no. They better not bring his big ass back there with his his le- his right leaning head, head ass. Nah, they do. Gonna... I'm gonna. Oh, I'm not. I'm not with it. I'm not. I'm not here. I'm not with it. I'm not a fan of it, and I don't like it. Anyway. Uh, we hope yep. that you enjoyed this episode of the No Spots Weekly Wrestling Podcast. If you did, make sure you check us out on social media at Facebook.com slash No Spots Pod, Twitter.com slash, well, now it's X.com slash No Spots, True No Spots Pod, uh, Twitch.tv slash True No Spots Pod, and TikTok.com slash at True No Spots Pod. You can check out Sith on social media on X and at uh, and TikTok at True Sith Dance 74. And you can check out Sage, our new Japan analyst, on at I woke up as this guy named Sage with underscores after each word on Instagram. And with that, We'd like to thank you all for listening. For our audio listeners, we take care. If you are listening to this now, remember we will be live reacting to Payback on Saturday night beginning at around 7.55 p.m. Eastern Time on our Twitch channel. Thank you and have a good one. Peace out. Have a good one. Hey guys, it's Champ here. We hope you enjoyed that episode of No Spots Podcast. If you did, make sure you are following us so you can be notified when we upload new episodes. And make sure you follow us on all social media platforms, facebook.com slash nospotspod, as well as on Twitter, at True No Spots Pod. We will catch you on the next episode, myself, Donnie Wrestling, and The Sith, for the No Spots Podcast on the True Radio Network.